Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. The Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices a practical guitarist will love. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitarist or on Twitter as at practguitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hello, Jim. <laughs> Hello, David. I wasn't tornado. sure what the count was there. <laughs> yeah, that was the tornado right there. That was, you know, you didn't I've know never what did, it, I've never seen the spin down count. <laughs> yeah, the, that was the uh, the spinner. So now the spin when you get to my all the way rides done. Um, oh, <laughs> I'm in trouble. Uh, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So we were just talking about, I honorable mention. Well, we got to talk about this. I think this is important to this board because, uh, Jim's redoing his board. We're going to talk about his too. Yep. But um, Mike Mara, our a Facebook listener, and uh, he's a member of our Facebook group, posted pictures of his board. And uh, I got to say, like, this is this is tidy and, like, pedal space management to the extreme. Um, let me go through a list of the pedals that are on here. Uh, there is a – it looks like a wah pedal, but that might just be a volume expression pedal for something else he's got, he's got, um, you know, full size, like Dunlop style expression yep. pedal. Yep. Um, and I'm not sure what the pedal just above that is. I maybe, I made a, that's a buffer, I think. Uh, so he's got a buffer. No, he's got the little black box later on. Uh, I can't tell what that is. It's a, it's a finger size pedal. Then he's got a phase 90. He's got a red dirt. He's got, a um, the mini fuzz face, the germanium one. He's got a JHS little black box. Um, he's got, which one is that? The other JHS. That's not the Molnir. Oh, That's, the, uh, um, uh, he's, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, uh JHS Stombox one. <laughs> he's yep. got a swamp rat, which is a, which is a rat clone. He's got the dude, uh, from J rocket effects. He's got the analog man, uh, Prince of tone. And a Wampler Ego compressor, um, yeah. and that's all on the low tier. So he's got like a shelf system, right? Um, and if you spin this thing up, then or you, you fold it back down, then you can see what's on top, which is a DoD Expression pedal, a Line Six M5 Stompbox modeler, and a Line Six HX Stomp. I mean, what more could you fit on a single board like that? And this is not like your monster board either. This is something you could put in a road case and carry it around. Um, yeah. 
Hey, minus is minus got uh, uh, road case size. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying though. And he's got more pedals than you do for sure. Oh, heck. and a lot more functionality, quite frankly, too. Um, I don't. We've been me and Mike have been going back and forth about the uh, the M5 sort of off and on because I'm I had an M5 um, and I couldn't sell that thing fast enough. Uh, I bought it so like I didn't buy my M5 when they came out or anything. I bought it like way on down the road, and um, I got it used. I think I paid one hundred twenty nine dollars for it. Um, and I could actually look at my reverb account right now and tell you. Um, I know I sold it for what I paid for it, but um, it, I did not have a particularly good experience with that pedal through and through because I think there were some there were a couple of the patches in it like had like volume jumps and stuff. But honestly, like could have used it for a lot of different things. Uh, it's a good Swiss Army pedal. And then he's got the HX Stomp, which is right next to it, which is another Swiss Army pedal. And then all that stuff's like, you know, sandwiched between these drives and some very special kind of other effects. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, he's got a versatile board. I don't know what exactly, you know, I know what kind of music he plays. I've, I've actually had the privilege of playing through a lot of this stuff in his hands, you know, his rig. Um, I think at the time he just got the HX Stomp. Um, but it, the only thing he didn't have on there was like the, the, uh, fuzz face. And, uh, I, I mean, it sounded great, so I can't complain. And, and, uh, Mike's a good player anyway, but, uh, he, he, the way he plays, he needs a versatile rig because he does a lot of, uh, he does a lot of stuff. He's in jam band. He's got to be able to cover all the bases. So if he has to fill in for a horn part or a synth part or something, he's got to be able to do that. Um, and it just, it means like padding and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I I just I saw his pedal board and with the power supplies and everything, like I was just I was just taken aback by how tidy the cabling was for somebody who didn't have it professionally done, and yeah. also the fact that he has this fancy shelf, um, and the just sheer amount of crap that's on this board. I mean, it's I wouldn't want to lift it. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, it probably weighs forty <laughs> pounds, fifty pounds, um, and then Jim, probably weighs you, about twenty pounds. You redid your board. Yep. And I actually, so I'm just going to, I'm going to read through what you got and I'm going to try to go through the, I'll go through the signal path with you in a minute. Cause I don't think, I don't know. I don't know what the signal path is. So it's, you got a chromatic tuner, uh, a CE2W, a phase yep. 90, uh, yep. the MXR Univibe, carbon yep. copy deluxe, uh, yep. the Keeley compressor, which yep. is really cool. Um, the Keeley dark side, yep. um, and then the op amp big muff, the Paisley drive, the angry driver and then the Keeley caverns, which is basically pedals you've had um, yeah, yeah. just arranged <clears throat> properly now. And yep. Yep. Arranged properly. I, I managed to get enough space on that one uh, tier to put the tuner on. I was, I was missing about, believe it or not, about three millimeters. I'm like, all right, let's get this. So it actually, it looks it, it, the way it is. It's, it's actually different from what you would imagine. Um, it goes from the volume pedal into the wah and they go from the wah into the, into the dark side. Right. Um, so it goes from right to left um, l until it gets to the angry driver. So it goes dark side, big muff, paisley, angry driver. Angry driver, you can see there's a wire coming out of the left side yeah. of that. So down that underneath. Goes to the tuner. That goes to the tuner. So the tuner can mute or unmute the rest of it. So it And it actually goes all kinds of messed up from here. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's actually a really cool idea before we go, before we go on and talk about the for a minute. So tuners – you can use them to mute, right? Um, right? And I've seen people where they want to put the tuner before your drive pedals. And there are good reasons to do that. Like, 
you know, obviously you're going to get better tuning stability if you're not running drive yep. into it. If you, if you're not smart enough to look down and realize you got drive pedals on while you're tuning. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that being said, uh, putting it where it is, yep. I mean, this gives you a kill switch. That's so right. if something's going wonky or you're getting a lot of feedback, you hit the tuner. And in four cable method, guess what that kill switch will be for? for because of where it is. Yeah, it, it's going to kill It'll be for the, the effects loop. Exactly. It'll uh, be effects loop's kill switch. Oh, because cause your Tone Master doesn't have an effects loop on off? The Tone Master doesn't have an effects loop. Oh, I thought it did. No. No. It's, a, it's exactly what um, a... a replica of the of the original twin except that it has ir effect. out and all that other yeah, stuff exactly. on it so why Which the hell I, would they yeah, put an effects loop on it right BS! that's what i said i call bs fender this is the best thing we could ever do except we didn't put an effects loop on it which everybody we, wants we modernized this in every way you could think of except for the right way no um so uh except for one which everybody was saying they needed to put an effects loop you know, I mean, honestly, I think that makes the supersonic twin that much more attractive to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's got an effects loop. It's got the preamp out. They they don't call it effects loop. They call it preamp out post post in or something like that. Or post pre. Yeah, because they went, their whole thing was like you can use it to slave out to another amp. But nobody yeah. does that. Why would you want to use the same preamp to, to drive <sighs> two amps? Exactly. So anyway, then what it does is it goes from the angry driver into the into the tuner. And then the tuner into the chorus, the chorus into the phaser, phaser into um, univibe, univibe into the carbon copy, carbon copy into caverns, caverns into the compressor and compressor out. And that that right there would be the effects loop in the in the four cable method run. So once I get the underside done, um, that'll be my uh, my um, well. That'll my be board. a regular board. That'll be the one you and take around. <laughs> that's right. And the two inner, what I'll have is on the, I'm going to take your advice. So I'll have the four uh, things on the bottom and uh, of the board, the four in, uh, outputs. Um, and uh, what it'll be is the outer ones will be for the regular, um, you know, regular in and out. Or, I mean, yeah. And the um, inner ones will be the effects loop. And I'll just, Jumper that, and then when I don't, when I'm using an actual effects loop, oop, pop a jumper out, send return, and I'll have them labeled send return, and not send return the way you would think send return, send where I want the send from the amp to come in, and return where I want the return from the amp to come in. <laughs> you know what I because do? I, don't really I color care. code them. I color code the co the cables. Blue so. to blue, red to red, done. Yeah, yeah, and you can see I have a lot of different color cables. Yeah. I have blue, yellow, orange, candy cane, um, <laughs> hemp. So I, have, <laughs> I honestly have not even plugged in my board probably since the last open mic I went to, which would have been back in you know February. Uh -huh. um, and uh, I've been I've been itching to, and actually part of the reason why I have it is because I've been working on the floor, which Jim can see is completed. Um, yes, and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm so thrilled. Like, you can't believe it. Like, <laughs> I, I actually, too. Jim, this right here, this uh -huh. is the chocolate cake of celebration. The celebratory. I'm, I'm holding up a plate cake. with the, the celebratory <laughs> chocolate cake remnants um, that I ate just before we started the podcast. The cake was not alive. Yeah, my wife is yelling that the cake is not alive for those of you that have played Portal. Um, 
It, so it's it's done now. The flooring is complete. That means video projects can get can uh, can start proceeding. Um, yep. I'm gonna. I'm go- I've got a game plan. I got some things I got planned. One of the things I wanted to point out about Mike's board that I was talking to Jim about right before we started the show, it's like there's a couple, a couple pedals on Mike's board I wouldn't mind owning. Um, yeah. And one of them was the uh, the Prince of Tone, and not because I want a Prince of or I want a King of Tone. I'm searching for the perfect overdrive boost pedal for all of my needs. So like across the Kemper, across you know my Mark V. Um, and whatever else I happen to plug into, because I I'd like something that would be compatible with my um, Ethos Overdrive as well. Right. So uh, I'm scrolling down to look at his thing. The other pedal that I noticed on his board that actually may end up in my collection relatively soon um, is the HX Stomp. And yeah. As everybody knows, I have had a love hate relationship with the Line Six Helix family of products. Um, as I owned a Helix <laughs> for two years when this show started, and uh, I actually I don't have a lot of negative to say about the Helix. I think a lot of people have kind of said stuff for me. Um, I don't think they're so. I thought the cabinet models were really cartoony. Um, I thought that some of the amp models were like way too parameter driven. Like so, there's yep. like 50 parameters for an amp model. And then you go down through them and like some of them don't do any discernible thing to the amp model. And you're like, what am I even doing with this control? It's like dialing in something super subtle, like, like, um, you know, if you could imagine taking your light bulb from like color of sun to color of sun in autumn to color of sun in autumn at 3 p.m. <laughs> it's like it's still the sun. Like, what the hell? Um and and it was just there there was no discernible difference between between some of the settings so um the reason why i'm actually eyeing the hx stops there's a couple of reasons one of them uh is a personal reason which i which i won't bring up because uh it would probably incite some some riots uh not worth my time to really dig it up but um more more so because like i have been going to these open mics when we get back to to the world it'll be nice um to not have to take my kemper every night uh because I, I, so my camper sits in a, in a, like a 40, 40 pound road case. Um, when it's all loaded up, it's about 40 pounds and I have to wheel it in and out of locations. Um, it's probably not going to be that big a deal during the summer, but during the winter, it's a nightmare because you got to oh, yeah. stay out of the slush and everything. Cause you don't want to get it all nasty. Cause then you got to put it in your trunk, um, and all that stuff. Yep. And, uh, more or less like, um, I can put everything if I have an HX stomp, I can put everything in a gig bag. And it, just a little bag, you know. Yeah. One gig bag for everything. Alexa, shut up. Over your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. I mean You've got to you've got to you've got to give Alexa yeah. a name that you would never use in the house. Uh I don't think I can rename it. I think they took away that functionality. Oh, did they? I think so. I'm, I I can I'm be thinking wrong about on that. getting one. I'm thinking yeah, about getting one. cool. My brother uh he he has a really n- mean name for his that asked me sometime later i'll i'll let you know but anyway yeah. um i wouldn't so, tell the name that i would name mine on the air uh, so but let's just say i wouldn't use it my grandmother was around but thank uh, god my grandmother's <laughs> not around uh so anyway so um the the whole idea with the hx stomp thing for me is to like not re- necessarily revisit a purchase i already had um but just to fill a gap and the other cool thing about it is so i've been complaining about the the helix drives and stuff yep. i can midi this to the helix 
and use the yep. helix to trigger all the drives and stuff on it and literally velcro it to the side of my Kemper. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's that small um, yeah, and exactly. get a lot of use out of it for gigging, which yep. is kind of another thing that I've been thinking about. But more or less, it's just a convenience tool. Um, and yeah. it's going to help some folks out. That's a, there's a whole other part of the side to that. Um, so that's kind of like, that's why I'm thinking about it. Um, the other thing is everybody who knows me, you've been having private message conversations with me. There's like five people at this point. I'm looking at a war moth. Um, we talked about the hunt for the perfect electric guitar right the now, hunt. right now. I have not played my seven string in probably two weeks. I've been uh-huh. playing exclusively six. I've been playing my S 500 and my Godain, uh, LG P 90. Mm-hmm. Um, which I actually think I prefer the playability of my LG P90, which is right. crazy because it's the frets are all worn out and it, they're not super huge. Um, but I think it's the Rosewood neck. It's a faster feel yeah. um, than the the um, other one, which has a satin uh, satin finish. So if I yeah. go warm off, uh, I will probably do a Strat style guitar. Boring, I know. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be stainless steel frets probably some sort of exotic wood top uh ash body nothing fancy uh i've got some pickup ideas in mind um i'm looking at either a set of uh great lakes guitar pickups um which reminds me we gotta talk about the giveaway um great lakes guitar pickups and then uh, and or fishman fluence depending on um how it strikes me but the main thing will be is two humbuckers I want to I want to get kind of like that in between Gibson Fender thing, because um, that's kind of what the Kiesel is like. The way I use it, I'm using it more like a modern guitar, um, and then kind of dialing it in a, in a way to get it to sound a little bit more like a vintage guitar. Um, yeah. So I can kind of go the other way and take the best of both worlds from the other side of things, and hopefully this guitar will cross genres. I'll be able to do a lot of stuff with it. I don't. So that's post quarantine. <clears throat> I got a ways yeah. to go. Could be six months, could be nine months, could be a year. Um, But we are, hopefully, I will, my job situation will hold out as uh, I hope most of our show listeners' um, job situations are holding out in some way, shape, or form. Um, I know some people have taken on alternative uh, work arrangements and everything else to make things happen. But, you know, that's, that's the life we're living in right now. It's a complete limbo. I don't know whether, I mean, honestly, I do know that we will get back to having a normal world after this, but it's how long is that going to take? I mean, it could be six months before I'm going to open mics again. Well, what I'm hoping, yeah, I'm I'm hoping we get to the open mics, you know, in the summertime, but one of the things that I'm hoping, honestly, I've been been getting out, getting sun every day. Um, I go for a walk. Uh, I just boosted it from two and a half miles to three, over three miles. Um, And, uh, Trying to trying to make it so that I'm not just around, you know, my thumb in my ass. I don't live in a building. Um, I live in a building. It's called a house, but I mean, I don't live in a building with others. So it's easy for me to go out. And my my um, uh, my neighborhood is a little three quarter mile walk, so it's perfect. I just do six laps, you know. But um, it's a little more than three quarters of a mile, but it's close enough. And um, <clears throat> so anyway. So now uh, I've been doing, you know, little things like that. The um, uh, 
I think it's important for people to remember that you still need to get out. You still need to go do something. Um, talk to your friends, talk to your family, do stuff like that to get, to get the, you know, keep yourself out. I think that a lot of people, the problem, the, I think that some of the things that we're seeing societally, and I don't want to get too much into it is, is don't get, don't get where you feel like that's what you're going to be like the rest of your life. You're going to be a, a you know, live in caveman, um, uh, What's the word I want? Like a hermit. I have uh, had don't, several people don't do actually that. tell me I I was born for the COVID nineteen lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which not me specifically, but they were saying like I was born for this. And I'm like, you're yeah. crazy. <laughs> you know? I'm a I'm a social butterfly. I have to get out. I have to get around. And I, have I don't to want to be people. around people, but I cannot stand the idea that I can't go outside my house, like or that you don't want to go outside your house. You know what I mean? In the beginning, I don't know if anybody else felt this. In the beginning, it was like, "Woo, I've got all this time to play guitar." Yeah, yeah. and and guess what? I didn't do <laughs> play guitar. I still play guitar. I, I got one lick, so I started to work on Scatterbrain, right? And then, like that, quickly fell yep. off the map because I just haven't had time to sit down and actually like get back into it. But I I picked out this one Eric Johnson lick, the uh, Cascading One Three thing that that um, Troy Grady's covered it. And I know it was in uh, Guitar World magazine at one point. Well, I got the tab for it, and I started to learn it. And I was like, I'll never be able to play this at speed. Well, I can play it at speed now. So, yo, I'm kiss my ass. <laughs> Yay! Um, Congratulations. Uh, yeah. So I was that doing... is a technical feat like no other. Congratulations are definitely in order. <laughs> you can see my stand, my music stand in the background. So I was writing out some tablature to to do a video. So that I could uh, do some of the some of the stuff we were talking about last night, which was taking pentatonic patterns and doing things differently. So um, uh, threes and fours and mixing them up and and mixing bends in with slides and so on and so forth. So um, I think I think I've got it down well enough where I can shoot that um, in the next couple of days now. And uh, I'm trying to trying to get a mix of okay, which guitar is going to be best, which input will be best for that, you know, so that it. Because it has to be something that people can sit down and, and uh, when when you're creating, I find that some of the worst instructional and you know me, I re, I listen to a lot of instructional CDs, videos, and books, and everything else. I think some of the worst stuff is the stuff where um, the tone of the guitar is too hard to get, and some people will get stuck on that. Um, we wouldn't, but some people will, and yeah, I think the more important thing is just to get a a, a light. Overdriven tone, lightly overdriven tone. It's easy to find, um, and don't wash it and reverb and and delay and just play it straight. You know, don't. Here's the here's the thing that I always find uncomfortable when I see people do le like the amateur guys do lesson videos online. I get uncomfortable right. when they, um, and I don't mean like uncomfortable as like show me on the doll where he touched you uncomfortable. But yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like, uncomfortable as in, like, did he touch your solo button? I'm not really sure what I'm watching here, because because a lot of guys will wash out their sound and distortion. Obviously, you already have mentioned that you're not going to do this, so so yeah. kudos to you, right? Uh, at right. a time, um, but a lot of guys will will um, wallow everything in distortion and be like, here, watch me play this shred lick, and you're like, yeah, that's a that's an. I'll use an example. That's a Michelangelo Badio lick. You know, he uses like half the game you do. Yeah. So you're using that to cover up your sloppy ass playing. Like, That's exactly right. It's like, all right, dude, just just 
dial your game to half and now let's see you do it. And I kind of get this devilish grin on my face, like, do it now. You know? <laughs> yeah, I wanna I wanna say that. Do it now. Um, do it, do it now. Um there's uh there's some Arnie movie where he says that. Do it, do it now. Uh but anyway, yeah, it was um, in Predator. Do it, a, do it now, kill me, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, that's right. I'm here, do it now. Um so, no, but uh, one of the things that you'll find if you're if you're playing cleanly and and uh, your right hand left hand aren't together, you'll either have ghost notes of your left hand hitting before your right hand, or you'll have ghost notes of your right hand not hitting at all. And what gain will cover up, which, which I'm not saying that there's no place for that, but it becomes legato when you didn't mean for it to become legato. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. So the other thing is, um, when I when I sit down. And I like I was learning that Eric Johnson lick, and at first I was trying to play it as quickly as I could, you know, throwing throwing crap against the wall to see what stuck, um, yep. going as quickly <laughs> as I could, and it suddenly dawned on me. I'm like, no, 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 no. How does he play this? Because there is no way in hell Eric Johnson is playing with because he plays with tens, I believe, is playing on a strat with tens with medium to high action. The, the the kind of licks that 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 he plays by pushing hard on the guitar and i'm like so right. i'm gonna lighten my touch and it, right. and it was like a con i had to consciously lighten my touch the point where the notes were almost like muted without being muted and once i did that that started opening doors and it's like you just have to kind of back off i could never have like had i not known how he does it i don't think i would ever been able to pull it off um but i think that that's a big component to remember is that think about small adjustments like that yeah pressure um speed when you're learning it like when you're trying to get the pattern down don't try to do it you know full speed just make sure you get the pattern down then start working on things like okay here's the picking pattern that goes with this Right. And then put them together and break it down to into its component elements. I can't tell. I mean, I'm a proficient enough player. I can pick up a piece of tab and I can learn to play it just by looking at the tab or, or yep. hearing somebody in a lot of cases. Um, but if I don't separate it into its base elements, it stays sloppy. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm one of those people that I have to hear it and um, see the tab. I can look at tab and some tab I can go, okay, I know what he's doing there because or she's doing there because I can look at it and go, Oh, I've seen that a hundred times. Especially if it's five seven, five seven, five seven, five seven. Five eight, five eight, five seven, five seven. How about I that? It's a pentatonic oh, yeah. pattern. <laughs> that's an A minor pentatonic. I know what the chord is. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, that's either C major or pe- I, yeah. A minor. Um, the other thing that uh um is though it, for most tablature, if I'm looking at a you know a nice long connected thing, I need see or hear the piece because even if even if i see it like um i've got some where i'll sit down and i'll i'll play it right um the the piece that i'm doing like if i'm playing if i'm playing it to um to the tab and then i hear it i go oh crap that's not how i was playing it and and it's because tablature isn't well no no guitar music is exact science as far as timing goes that's the beauty of guitar. Any any instrument is that's what you add to it, right? You add that flavor to it. Um, a quarter note bend is not an exact quarter note bend. I've never heard anybody make an exact quarter note. 
Not that I know of. You mean a you mean a quarter step? Yeah. What did I say? Quarter, quarter no. Yeah. Because I'm sitting there thinking, quarter, no, quarter, you mean like a bend, over, step bend. like a bend over yeah. one beat, a bend like. over one over beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I, that's what Damn, I meant. Dude, that's quarter a step ass bend. <laughs> like, yeah. Woo. Well, there are those. Yes, definitely. I mean, if you're playing, yeah, if you're playing Gilmore, but anyway. So what I was getting at is I'm I'm gonna start looking at that and and get that done. Um, I want to shoot a couple of videos with that. Um, I got a I got a little thing. So. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I had a first. We got to talk about the elephants in the room. There's a couple because we're both we're both sitting in elephants in the room. They're great. Well, mine's gray. Yours is black. Yeah. Mine's mine's black, black and red, mostly black. But Jim likes leather. So. I do. I'm into leather. Yeah. Hell. <laughs> so we both got for leather. Helmet. Helmet for leather. We got some. Um, yeah, I don't even know if I sang that right. To be honest, it's close enough. So, um. I got an AK racing uh, leather chair. What uh, um, I was at the Coast Guard Exchange and I got an incredible, incredible deal on this thing. I got two hundred dollars off, and so I can't complain. Um, I paid full price for mine, so I'm not happy at all. <laughs> yeah. And you got the uh, you got the uh, I got Secret, the Secret Lab Titan, the one in cookies and cream, and it came super early. I actually, I think I mentioned on the show that I bought a new chair. Um, yeah, but it, it didn't come in. I think we all forgot. Yeah, well, so it was supposed to come in. It's like they were saying that they were they were back order till May, and mine showed up this week. So nice. win. Um, now, the funny thing is, this is back this again, totally by the way. A, a guitar. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, this is totally a guitar related uh, topic because this thing has arms on it, so I can't play guitar in it. Although I can remove the arms from underneath. I yep, don't, I'm not yep. going to do that. So I'm I have to get another stool. Yippee. Well, no. I, now, what I like about this one, yours probably does it too. So I can move the arms out. Yeah, like a little bit. A little bit. But, but and that's, that's, I'm not even worried about that. I can, I can easily play guitar in this thing. No. It, so By doing that. If my, I can spin mine out, but it's not enough. Yep. Like, I, I'm still going to bang the body against the arms. Well, I have tried. The SG I can easily fit in here. I don't know about the the strat. Um, the SG and the leg probably fit in here. Now the um, truth the is, I need to get out of the chair and play anyway. I'm such fat. Little so yeah, I got the you got the Titan, right? Yeah. I got the um, we call it the Masters Series Premium. I'll so bet five hundred something dollar chair. I was able to get out three hundred dollars. So okay, I'm, they could. I'm in. Yeah, I paid too much. Um, it's okay. I paid too much. I paid what Jim should have paid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, my hands. I was looking at that. I was looking at your chair. All right, quarantine hair. Let's talk. I was like, quarantine, quarantine hair. hair. Look at this. Look at this quarantine hair. Look at it. Yeah, Jim's is like almost as long as mine is. Mine's getting there, man. Uh, I look like Luke Skywalker right now, or as my wife <laughs> says, like the Beatles when they were, you know, in the mod look. Um, yep. So <laughs> I just can't get rid of it. Uh, it's growing out. I'm. I, you'll probably see me with the ponytail this year. That's that's the goal. I'm going long. I'm going long, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna beard, which I can't grow. I'm gonna keep. Yep, I'm gonna keep this part of the beard. I can grow it on my cheeks. I just hate it. There's two places I can't stand hair here on my neck because no matter what I wear, even shirts like this, it gets it catches the hair right here. So I have to. I so I just shave it right up to here, and then I shave down the cheeks because I. I don't know. I don't like hair on the cheeks. My face looks a lot longer than it actually is. Let's just put it that way, and I'm gonna leave it that. 
Um, your face, uh, your face looks longer. Than yeah, because because Jim Flash got that. Oh, because of the yeah, the beard. Yeah, yeah I mean it gets an so extra cute. inch or two. It does add. It does add. It's it makes it's it look long. good. We look thinner. It's long. <laughs> it does. Uh, so I leave it. Um, it's not going anywhere. Uh, no. So what I actually wanted to interrupt Jim about before he started talking about furniture uh, was that hey, these are important. They're things. giving away pickups. We're giving away We're giving pickups. away a guitar. And a guitar. Well, the guitar's secondary. It's a squire. Who cares? Um, no, I'm kidding. It's it, it, we're giving away a guitar. So if you haven't got your submission in, you got it's more. Happening. You got until let's see. I don't want to do it. I yeah. If we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it Friday, April first or May first. Right. May first. May first. May first. Twenty twenty. Friday, May first. We're gonna do the drawing, and um, the instructions are simple. No, actually, Jim, do you want to do the drawing on the show? Because we could we could hold it off until the next episode. Yeah, I'll just pull the name. I'm literally going to – there's so many – so few entries. I'm just writing everybody's name on a piece of paper, putting them in a goldfish bowl, and I'm going to pull out the name just like the old okay. days. Well, I have I have a couple of names, so before you make your list, make sure you – Oh, I will. I, I'm not, I haven't made the list okay, yet. I, I'm going to take – There's this is my tablet of paper right here. I'm just going to put names on it, put them. And then throw them in a bowl. I tell you what, we we've heard some incredible stories out of this one because some people are going through some hard times. Um, yeah, and it it's kind of well. Some of them, <clears throat> some of them have touched me. Uh, like I said last week, I I um, purchased a month of lessons for someone from uh, RNA Music. Um, I'm going to reach out to uh, if if they don't win, um, and they could win, but if they don't win, I'm going to reach out to a couple of the group of the people that. Uh, we're doing their thing for their uh, their churches, and I'm going to take a look at what I can do for them in that respect. Awesome. Um, one's here in Norfolk, so that'll be easy. I can always purchase a guitar and give it to them. Um, but uh, and another one is um, remotely, and again, I would I would get something purchased, but I would I would purchase it online and let them get it there. That way, if they want to trade it or whatever they can. So all this, uh, or give them a gift certificate. All this aside, right? We're giving away the guitar. Get your submissions in. You got one week. We're going to do the drawing next Sunday, which we don't release our episodes on Sunday. So we will actually know who the winner is probably for a couple of days before the episode drops. Um, right. But we're not going to tell anybody until the episode. No, no, no. Right, exactly. Because we want it to be like it's live, even though it's not live. Right. The only person we'll know is the editor. And he, right. he I can trust him. So yeah. Um. anyway, yeah. Shout out to Dan Kish, our uh, editor. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and as definitely uh, to enter, if you have not just send us a little video clip of you telling us why you want the guitar. Um, I mean, it's, it's not hard. You can get this in any way, shape or form that Jim and I are reachable. Even if you wanted to post it in the Facebook group, post it to YouTube and then send us a, a link. Um, you could send it to us via messenger. You send it to us via messenger. You can send us to a questions at practicalguitars.com. Um, which reminds me, we've got wonderful stuff. We got a Facebook group. Join the Facebook yep. group if you haven't already. We have an, a very highly interactive community there. People are are uh, real nice, and uh, you'll learn yep. a lot and you'll laugh a lot. Um, very positive. And you then, could post it in there. Um, you could join our Patreon group and give us some cash. That would be kind of nice. No, um, friend, <laughs> give us your money. No, um, we could do like Gibson. Really give you us your give money. Us Every ten dollars gets you another entry. <laughs> I feel like I need we need in the arms of an angel playing 
while I do this. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> in the arms of an angel. No, we um, we we do this show, it's it's out of the kindness of our heart. Here. Um most of the money that comes into the show actually gets spent back on the show in the form of like marketing campaigns and stuff so that we can we can grow the show. Cause it would be nice yeah. to it someday um foster some real relationships with the um the building community outside of like the small group that we already have. Um, and it would be really nice to be able to deliver more video content. Um, so well, to be able to travel. Yeah. Penny's help. Uh, video content's yeah. easily sought out if we can travel. Um, and also we're going to start doing more video content at home. I have some things lined up. Uh, I would be lying if I said the HX stomp was not sort of selfishly motivated by the fact that I could use it to do videos. Um, yes, which there's going to be, be very... there's going to be one video in particular, a comparison between two products, because if you know anything about our YouTube channel, the first video I did was a comparison between the Katana and my Mark five. And I yep. still get people complaining. Um, so I absolutely plan to do a HX stomp versus Helix or the oh, yeah. HX stomp HX versus stomp. the Kemper, which is like yep. not even in the same price class. <laughs> No, nope, um, I'm close. Which is exactly the reason why I want to do it. Um, I'm comparing this ten thousand dollar amp to this one dollar. <laughs> we have a we have an HX Stomp user in the group. I have brought my Kemper to him, and we have sat down and we have done stuff that AB back and forth. And he and I both kind of agree that like the Kemper does amps a lot better, but the HX Stomp is like more flexible. Um, which I don't think anybody's doubting that. Like that's always been kind of the thing. It's just a question right. is like as a player, do you need flexibility or do you need killer amp tones and that really exactly. is basically how you should make your decision if you're buying a digital modeling product is deciding what yep. your focus is because they all do something well they just may do it differently um i'm still thinking about getting a stomp for just as the as the quote-unquote um thing to take to open my i could see you getting of. a stomp and dropping your board and just taking an amp no. with the stomp in the back and just be like here we go <laughs> Throw the, stomp the twin the is lighter than the it's funny because the twin is lighter than the Marshall. Oh, I'm sure. The twin is a two by Yeah. It's a lot lighter. Yeah, it's class D. I'm um, surprised you didn't even see Transformers in the back of the twin. Oh, my God. It's funny. It, it's uh, the backside of it. I'll have to take some pictures. But I, I mean, you the guys can see it online. It's, <laughs> it's so funny. But, uh, yeah, the back doesn't look like anything like the other one. That's why I can't believe they didn't put a, um, an effects loop in it. They could have had a kill switch for the effects loop and just said, okay, for the for the other people, it's just a jumper. Come on. It's it, a wire. It, it's just silly. That's a, that's a clear omission on their part. What what gets me so – Fender has made some really cool modern amps um, that have gone largely unnoticed by the buying community. And I'm actually – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spill the beans on this. Um, and I want I want to preface this by saying, please don't go right out and buy these because there won't be any left for me when I go to buy one. And okay. I don't want to pay a million dollars for one. Um, so the uh, supersonic line of amps from, from uh, Fender, um, which I think they're still making the 22 watt, the deluxe. Oh, yeah, they do. But they started yep. off with the 60 watt, which was the Baseman Vibralux type deal, right? And that thing was good, right? We've got them into the store. They go out fast. Yeah, they don't stick around very long. The twenty-two and they, watt, they hold their value. The twenty-two watt is sick. It is really, really yep. good. Um, yep. But the the hundred watt, I almost bought one twice. Uh, the two the is a two by twelve, big honking amp. You know, it's just, it's a oh. twin, right? 
But it had some super cool features, and this is actually why I want to try to see if I can Google this and pull up the feature list because um, this it looks like they've got they've got the old uh, page still up, so I can troll through the feature list. So it was two uh, two vintage thirties, um, seven twelve AX seven tubes, two twelve AT seven preamp tubes. That's more than most Mesa boogies, my friends. Um, four six L sixes, normal complement for a twin. Vintage yep. and burn channels. This thing could do like a drive channel, right? And it does it really well. It's a smooth drive channel. Kind of cool and, and unique to Fender specifically. Um, it had post-gain EQ, two cascading preamp controls. So you got volume one, volume two, like you did on the older uh, Mesa Mark series stuff, like four and before. Um, Tube-driven Fender long spring reverb by Accutronics. So you get your long spring reverb like you normally get in a Fender Twin. Uh, it had a prof- what they considered a professional effects loop with level control, um, and you could you could run a jumper and turn the level control up and get your foot switchable boost, which is cool. Yep. Uh, this is the one that sold me though. Fender automatic bias sets output tubes to factory settings without a meter or tools. You literally yeah. you literally pushed a button on the back and it set the bias, and you could set it for cold bias, medium bias, or hot bias depending on your particular uh, skill set, which that's the thing that kind of kills me. You could create a digital bias circuit that would actually read out the numbers and find the optimal bias for the set of tubes that you just put in it and get crazy enough that it could actually analyze um, using like a spectrometer type thing, you know, so that the waves were actually complementary rather than, because I know I've heard that it's like, well, you can get the voltage is accurate, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the output waves will be complementary. Uh, yep. You could have that happen with a button and nobody's ever put that on an amp, save for this from Fender. This is the first time I'd ever heard anybody do something like that. Uh, yep. And it had damping controls too for normal, loose or tight speaker response. And the transformers were custom. So this was like a totally unique amp for them. And you know what the funny thing was? These were these were supposed to be a two thousand dollar amp. You know how much they sold these for, Jim? Because they because nobody bought them, like eleven hundred dollars. They were yeah. blowing these things out because they couldn't get rid of them. Yep. And honestly, like this is the amp that if I see one somewhere and it's like, you know, eleven hundred bucks, I'll be like, I'll take it off your hands because I mean that's this is every bit of twin, and it has a usable drive yep. channel. Yeah, I mean, I there's like- two gain channels. There's two. Uh, this this thing is a it's a two channel amp. Um, uh, you can get it in black and get it in silver, um, which is the or blonde and ox blood, I should say, which gives it that basement look. Um, these are very popular amps, and they're still a thousand dollars while thousand forty nine new. So you can't get them new anymore. Uh, Supersonic twenty two. No, combo. the twin. Oh, the twin. Yeah, yeah the yeah. twin is the only one with the automatic bias on it. Yep. Which, all right, so fair warning. I have heard lots of terrible things about Fender amplifier reliability for tube amps. And in, in this, yep. and it's not necessarily specific to any specific series or anything. And the automatic bias thing, if it breaks, I mean, you're probably taking it to a tech to get it biased anyway. But yeah. I think it's a cool feature. I wish more amps had that. But everything else on this amp sounds awesome. Oh, and it has an arena club switch. I forgot about that. 
So you could knock it yeah, down yeah, to yeah, 20 yeah. watts, cut out two of the six. Well, it's not 20 watts. I think it's like 30 watts. You cut it down to two 6L6s. And then they run in like triode mode or whatever. Um, and so it's supposed to be. Uh, yeah, that um, we had one of those that you're talking about, a twin in. Um, and uh, that sold the next day. The used ones go fast. Well, again, that's the only it's thing. It's the most at. impractical amp on earth, though, like a Fender twin. Yeah. And it's a true like 100 watt. That's a 100 watt beast. That one is. Yeah. Um, but. I still think I'm looking to see what they go for in reverb. Um, I still think that, I mean, so the real supersonic, the 60 water goes for 700 bucks used. I mean, that's, that's peanuts uh, for, for, for this kind of amp. Um, And the supersonic twin is allegedly like, I'm looking for one that's actually sold. No, they're saying that's a supersonic twin. That's not a twin. That's just a regular old supersonic. And I think these things were were modified versions of the ProSonic or something like that, um, which is another interesting component. And yes, we're not going to talk about gear this whole episode, but I'm very, very curious as to the um, sold listings for this particular piece. Supersonic twin reverb. $1,000 all day long. $775 for one. I mean, these, these, nobody's buying these things. Here's one that sold. I, I don't know if there's anything wrong with it. Local pickup only five ninety nine. That's nuts for a two. Here's by a supersonic twi- twin new. I don't know if it's like new, old, yeah, stock, new old stock. Yeah, sure. New twenty three ninety nine. Yeah, dude. These like, they go for peanuts. Here's another one. Supersonic twin in black six ninety five. Yep. Um, I mean, it's not super reverb cheap because if you really want to talk about an amp, you can get an insane deal on. You can get like, so here's a, here's a Fender super reverb, 1968 silver face went for 1650. You've got to be kidding me. Um, yeah, 1968. Yeah. For like a 60 and not a reissue. No, that's that's and, and the super reverb circuit, they didn't change much. So like here's a sixty or he's a seventy two right five hundred and twenty dollars, and it was that was before they started like completely busting the circuits apart. I mean, for all you guys that are buying like Marshall like big Marshall amps and stuff, you can get super reverbs like vintage ones for affordable prices. Um, now yes, yeah. it's a four by ten, and yes, nobody wants to move it. Uh, <laughs> And yes, I'll you, you my, probably can't use it in your house either. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite, I've said this before, my favorite Fender amp was a 4x10 <laughs> um, uh, De, uh, DeVille, believe it or not. Well, I've joked That's about buying thing. a Super Reverb and turning it into a head. Or buying a Super Reverb and making a 1x15 cabinet. Well, if you could find one with like burned out um, speakers or some shit like that, then... That would be perfect. Yeah, dude, for sure. Um, but the Super Reverb, for those of you who don't know, was Fender's like biggest amp ever. It was a four by ten. It was insanely loud, um, and I think the twin was supposed to be louder. Uh, but I, I've sat in a room with a Super Reverb cranked up, and I'll never do it again. I mean, I was like, oh, uh, small room, um, yep. and a Fender twin. I could, I could handle that. 
with with earplugs. The the super reverb that I had the pleasure of sitting next to, I had earplugs and I still couldn't handle it. <laughs> it was like, what is going on with this thing? Um, that was actually the gosh, that was a long, long time ago. We played a, a park a park district gig um back when I was a teenager. And the guy in the other band had a he had a super reverb and a pedal board. And I just remember thinking like yeah, this is going to sound like crap because it was an old like silver face fender, right? And I didn't know anything. I was an idiot kid back then. And he turns this thing on. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, Ow, that's right way too loud. <laughs> like, what are you doing yep. here? Some people need to turn their uh, amps down every once in a while. Once in a while. I'm looking at a, um, at the JMP50 that I used to play. Yeah. Things going for um, well over $2,000. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, any of that JMP like Mark series stuff, uh, yeah. from from uh, from the early seventies, yeah, Marshall like is is big yeah. bucks now. Um, I mean, I wouldn't consider that to be like huge dollars. You can obviously buy um a boutique clone for the same amount of money. Um, I think that I think that the thing about Marshall right now is a lot of people are let down about anything relatively new from Marshall. With the exception, it's funny because the DSL of stuff the DSL putting, series, the DSL stuff they're putting yeah. out right now is killer. It's great. But you know yeah. why they you know why people hate DSLs? Because the no. DSL 40 they came out with around 2003, 2004-ish, um, yeah. the one that was like right before that, was hot garbage. Those things blew up oh, yeah, if you yeah. looked at them. And it big and it was, was there it? was a fault that yeah. the boards warped because the, the, the yep. tubes would get too hot since the tubes are board mounted, they would warp the board. And if I recall, that was the first time they actually did more. PCB mounted tubes in Marshalls. And that soiled people not only on those Marshalls, but it also soiled people on any amp that had board mounted tubes. And truthfully, yep. there's only a handful of amps that have problems with that. Even the Deluxe Reverb, the only time that you have problems with it is if the tubes are running out of spec. Right. Well, that's a, yeah. It's important to have your tubes um, uh, properly biased when it comes, especially with a fender. Oh, my God. Well, it's it, um, they need to be properly biased, but it's not even just that. Like uh, even a properly biased tube can run hot because it because it didn't pass quality control. Well, yeah, you have no you have no control of that. You have control of your biasing. You do not have control all you can do is of, buy from a reputable reseller and hope for the best. That's absolutely right. Absolutely, that's what I was going to say. Um, the the cheaper you go, the less um, the less reputable it's likely to be. I was looking at so I was trying to remember when Jim Marshall died. It was 2012, so that was towards the end of Jim Marshall's real reign at Marshall. And so, a lot of people said, you know, it's just like a lot of businesses when you lose a guy like that. Jim Marshall was very um, hands on. I'm not sure much how like much involvement he had in that last decade at Marshall, though. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. And that last decade, that was the end of it. He, I don't think he was doing anything but signing checks. Well, yeah, because like oh, he – so when you stop and you think about the things that most people would consider to be somewhat of a failure for Marshall, the things that they kind of damaged their reputation during the 90s, you got Valve State, um, yep. which which gave way to Valve Gate – when they yeah. had they had people pulling the tubes out of valve state amps and realizing that the, the amps still functioned without it, which meant that the tubes really weren't doing the anything. The tubes were nothing but light. Um, so then they did valve state two, which was a reaction to that, where they actually did make the tube do something. 
And at that time, yeah. I don't know if you knew this or not, but they were making so Marshall's owned by Korg. Um, they have a controlling interest in the company, and so they also own Vox. And Vox had the Cambridge line, which was also solid state with a tube in it. And again, they were having similar accusations at the same time. All of those same people went to be went to be fired later in the nineties. Went and started yeah. Black Star. Okay, um, and this was all because of boardroom decisions about well, how can we make a cheap amp that'll sell? Because they were trying to get the MG line to sell. And at the beginning, nobody wanted the MG unless you were going to be doing practice stuff, and it wasn't selling like hotcakes. So they were nope. looking for like an alternative, and they came up with the, the valve state thing. Here's what I don't understand. This is what I don't understand from amp builders. So maybe an amp builder, maybe we should get an amp builder in here to explain this. All right. So you've been building amps since 1960, whatever. Some of them since the 50s. Some of the fam- most famous and loved and desired amps in the world. Okay. The parts aren't getting that more. I mean, other than the tubes, I'll agree with the tubes. Other than the tubes, parts aren't really getting that more expensive. You've already figured out your your, um, uh, DNA as far as putting the boards together, getting the wiring together, putting the stuff in. Where, Where, I don't understand why you would say, you know what? We've got this awesome amp, sells like hotcakes, sells consistently. People love it. Um, the JCM line, so to speak, the you know the um, in Fender, obviously the black the the black faces, the the um, you know the twins, the reverbs, and of course the uh, um, oh help me out here, the basements, yeah, so on and so forth. What? Okay, so you improve the boards, you make you you okay. We got to source the boards. The old boards aren't available anymore. We got to source new boards. We got to eat, but other than the tubes. This thing is getting more expensive. It's pretty much staying the same. Oh, I don't know about logic. I don't know about all that. Because so, like, for example, transformers. So in the yeah. old days, you know, remember, transformers have a lot of precious metal in them. They got a lot of copper. And in the old yeah. days, you could get transformers for pennies on the dollar, and you could get them custom wound. And there were tons of companies doing it. Nowadays, you're down to like four different places you're going to get transformers from. Even places like Mercury Magnetics who are making guitar, basically guitar amp transformers. I don't know that they're doing their own winding. So a lot of people go to Schumacher electric, like Fender was real big with Schumacher. Yeah. I know uh, Rivera was big on Schumacher. There were other companies that they used a lot of their stuff. Um, and there's like Hey Boyer and places like that too. But essentially because the prices of copper have gone up, the price of transformers gone up. And the less need for transformers of the sizes that we use, um, the yeah. less but relevant. Now, I'm not saying transformers are the only cost. I mean, obviously, there, that also applies to things like Rojas compliancy. So you can't use the same part that they used 20 years ago, which is why your deluxe right. reverb reissue, it's not the board. Everybody stop. When you tell me that it's the board that's causing my reissue amp to sound like crap – you sound like an idiot. It's not the board. It's the fact that they can't use the same components because they have to ship that amp overseas and it has to be Rojas compliant. So that's changed everything. Um, it even changed the power transformers, the output, you know, the, the your, your choke. Um, it changed everything because they realized, oh, no, now we can't just ship anything. Um, same Anything that's going to be certified for export has to meet certain specifications. And All right, yeah. getting these parts from other countries has changed too because now the the 
you don't pay much more different price for the component, right? So an electrolytic capacitor 20 years ago is going to cost you similar with inflation to what an electrolytic capacitor today costs. That's really not the issue. The problem is that you want to get parts that have the same tolerance values they did years ago. And I've heard it said both ways. I've heard some people say, well, the tolerances back then were crap. But now I've also sure. heard me, and I, when I did the pe- the the uh, pedal building thing, he was saying, no, the tolerances today are crap. Back then they were really good. And nowadays you literally have to test every component if you want to get an exact match. All right. So I work, I work in the mil spec world. Okay. Let me just put that out there. Um, and <clears throat> I, it's not secret information that what I do also um, is I have to go out to vendors who will create transformers for, for radios that were built in the, in the thirties and forties. What is okay? the pricing going up? Well, yeah, th- not really. Now the, the thing is that here's the thing. Yes, but that's due to inflation. It's not, if I do an inflationary um, uh, calculator, it's relatively the same. Okay. So, and I, I have to do that I, because that's part of my compliance and, and my my uh, market research. And my thought was that inflation is really what's driven all this anyway, because yeah, it's yes, the parts values may be different. Obviously, now you can buy an electrolytic capacitor for probably cheaper than you could back then, but the difference is your right. tolerances were better back then. Okay, so right, so and this is the thing that that kills me. And I don't know if it's because the amp manufacturers can't do this or because they won't. I know that, okay, let's let's take this down to, we know that people are winding their own um, uh, their own pickups, right? Yep. Well, when I was in the service, many times we'd have to wind our own transformer because you're out to sea. You don't necessarily have an opportunity to get a transformer from someone else. So you'd have to wind it in-house. A lot of motors, a lot of synchros, a lot of servos. We'd have to wind our own stuff. So tolerance levels were based on what we did in our in our shop, right? Um, now I haven't done this in a long time, so it, it, please take what I say with the fact that it's been thirty years, probably since I wound a motor. Um, but here's here's the thing: I know that there are people who are who there's just old dudes like me i say old i'm in my 50s old dudes like me who are winding this stuff in their garages for folks who still have um long range radio which is now something you can't go to radio shack to get parts for okay um for communication systems like what believe it or not um uh phone companies and um uh the the military services are using to this day because they don't want to spend a ton of money to buy upgraded stuff, put themselves on satellites and cell towers. They're they're still using um, shortwave and so on and so forth. So this is still being done. Um, uh, transformers, like I said, motor synchro servos, uh, bailing units, which are the the um, the thing that that uh, you have a you have an antenna mm-hmm. right, and it connects to a transmitter. You have to have some kind of just like just like we have to. Uh, um, impedance match a guitar to a thing. We have to impedance match a whole antenna to a to its um its devices in the ground, so it doesn't just become a giant electromagnet or you know electronic uh, thing that's going to kill somebody. Although there are those out there that uh, I don't recommend birds land on. Um, but anyway, um, and I've seen it. <laughs> uh, 
So uh, these things are still out there. Um, and so they're the only people we can call. I mean, it's like I, I call a company that's like a husband and a wife. Sure. Okay. And, and I'm, I'm like, all right, I need a quote. I need to get 12 of these things done. Uh, what's my lead time? And they're like, oh yeah, we got, you know, this many months sick. And I know that it's because the the number of months, because I've talked to them, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Um, I know that their lead time is based on the fact that they've also got other people in line. Right. And they've got other things in line. And unfortunately, as as, as important as SOS is, um, we have to make sure that we keep our, that's my job, keep that supply line moving so that I never depend on that guy to do it overnight. And I, you know. Well, it is. Um, I have parts in the. It is funny. Well, we're talking about transformers. It is funny to me that that fender will wind pickups in house, or yeah. they will say they're winding them in house and have somebody else do them, because um, I'm sure some of that stuff goes on too. And oh, Gibson will wind pickups in house, and all these other companies will wind pickups in house, but they won't, like, they won't wind up transformer. Like, there's something yeah. weird about that whole process. Maybe Nick can weigh in, but um, I, you know, that's what I was just gonna say. If there's anybody out there in our group who could build a transformer, it's probably him because he gets this stuff and he understands how this stuff works. Um, and I'm kind of like, yeah, you had an interesting comment because I'm kind of like taken aback by this. I'm kind of like, well, why wouldn't Fender want to ride their own transformers? Then maybe there's some specialized right. specific equipment that's that's big big budget investment for them to do it in mass because you got to remember Fender's not shipping like three or four radios they have to replace a transformer in they're shipping like you know a thousand deluxe reverbs a, a a month you know or something like that and they need to have transformers that match so for them to launch a product line they have to be able to get a massive quantity of stuff going and and right. granted so like. If you think about that, they were going to do all their own components for the for the, like the the stuff that you can make like a transformer. They're obviously not going to be able to take on things like semiconductors and that kind of stuff. Um, if they were to say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna spec our own transformers, we're gonna build them in house, that would be a massive undertaking for them to do it for their entire for their entire amp line. Like, well, that's that's why I'm saying they can. I don't think they could do it in house, but certainly couldn't they find somebody. Or a small company like that to do well, they're their already stuff doing that. And I mean, they're they're going you know, somewhere to get their transformer. In fact, that uh, Fender uh, Supersonic Twin is coming from the transformers are coming from. Schumacher. All right, okay. It, all right, let's let's go down that line. And I'm not I'm not trying to be um, in anybody's face. Let's say let's say for a minute, Fender is going out getting transformers. So is Milkman. So is. Uh, uh, who's this other, sure. these other and a lot of those builders, guys are right? going to mercury magnetics they're going to three or four different houses that was my point it's not like there's a right. million different places they can go they can't go to your mom no, and pop right people and fulfill the demand that they have now maybe milkman can because right. they only you know they may only ship five amps a month um yep. and that's and that's just the difference in 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 companies really i mean um, so if we're going to talk about, this is why I think you, you, you hit on a good point when we started down this road with talking about inflation, the costs and stuff, because I think that's really the key, key element here is that if you adjust for inflation, the cost of a Fender twin now is roughly the same as it was back in 1960. You right. know, that's, that's what a twin goes for. Um, it's just the cost of components and the cost of labor have gone up. And so therefore they have to adjust the price accordingly. 
I would venture a guess because I don't think they've, they've raised their AM prices recently. I would venture a guess we're actually probably behind inflation um, on the cost of a Fender Twin. Now, granted, COVID-19 screws all of this up but because um, nobody knows what the economy is going to look like when we're coming out of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could definitely go back. But the funny thing is you buy an inferior product today with the same amount of money because of the Rojas compliancy and all the EPA stuff that's gone into producing any goods, really, not just amplifiers, any goods. For example, the reason we don't use nitro now. Um, strange story. So this is this is automotive industry stuff, but they actually changed their paint. A lot of people don't realize this. So back when I bought my first car, um, my the, my own car, right? Uh, I think it was like 2009-ish or something. It was like, it was a while ago. Um, I had, you know, driven borrowed cars and stuff like that up until that point. Um, I bought a Honda and the paint, people were complaining because they're like, the paint's too soft. The paint's too soft. So my brother actually paints cars for a living. So I asked him, I said, what's the deal here? He said, oh, they changed the paint. He said, the EPA came in and they told everybody they had to change their paint. And so what happened was they were using all these chemical hardeners. And when they started doing that, they weren't they weren't really sure how things were going to work out the first couple of years they were doing it. And actually, I think the change was back five-ish, um, which is why they started offering all these rust warranties on cars because they didn't know that the car wasn't going to rust on the lot. You know, that was really to protect the dealer because the dealer was going to take this investment on it. And they didn't know exactly how the paints were going to weather long term. So it was just – it was a whole thing. Um, but but that's the kind of stuff that happens as a result of EPA compliancy that affects the value of things on down the road um, and affects, you know, obviously products that we see every day. And guitar is no different. That's how nitrocellulose died out. That's how um, we ended up with solid-state amplification in a lot of cases because tubes were kind of decaying and disappearing. There was a time when people were yep. hoarding tubes because they didn't think they were going to be able to get a hold of them. Um, and all of that stuff has obviously changed uh, post that generation. But it's interesting to keep that stuff in mind as we look at things like, why does this amp have to cost so much money? Well, it's because of well, I'm not, Yeah. Yeah. I'm not si- saying that, that it has to cost a lot of money or doesn't have to cost a lot of money. What I'm saying is, okay, so when you make a... When you make a transformer, correct me if I'm wrong, because somebody who builds transformers would have to correct me here, but you create a transformer, you wind it, and do you dip it? Yeah, it depends. Some of them are wax potted. Some of them are wax potted, right? Yeah. So I would imagine most of the guitar. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what you just said. Okay, so paint has changed. One of the interesting things about the paint colors of the of the 50s and the 40s was because the automotive companies were out there buying paint. And so this paint was relatively inexpensive. Fender could could ride the coattails of Chevy, Ford, whoever. I think it was mostly Chevy, right, at that time, because of the colors of the paints they were using. I'm pretty sure it was Chevy. Um, but anyway, so <clears throat> Fender could ride the coattails of the of the automotive industry and buy the same paints. They would yeah. go out and they'd say, oh, yeah, that's they a cool They were buying paint. the DuPont colors that 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 – uh, Chevy was using on their vehicles. I mean, that's literally what so, they were doing. Yeah, that was car paint. Yep, that was on those car on those guitars. Okay, so that's not a that's not a you know a myth that's or legend that's true. So because they could go to Dupont and say, "Hey, you're making this paint for Chevy. 
can we get some? Yeah. So paint still exists for cars, you know, right. that type of thing. So what I'm what I'm trying to get at is so when I can imagine that what he did was when it came to covering for the guitar or amps, he probably went to um uh upholstery manufacturer and said, Hey, you're making this stuff. Can I get in on that and get X bolts of that? Yeah, stuff. I think it was. I and think it was actually suitcases in that case. But yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. The suitcases. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and uh, you know, um, it always it when I got into the back end of things. You know, when I got as I got a little older and I got in the service and I was I was working with stuff. I was like, oh wow, we buy that from people who make it for the kitchen. You mean the same handles that are in my kitchen for my drawers are the handles that are going on this multi million dollar piece of equipment? Yes. Yeah. But ours are mil spec, right? right? Just like, so, it just means that we we don't have as many metal shavings on the screws, right? <laughs> That's exactly right, actually. Um, so, uh, well, yeah, our stuff had to be it had to be specified that it would it would last X number of months in, the, in this kind of environment. Blah blah blah. There's a whole when I write a statement of work, I write statements of work regularly for um, for people who sell us right. stuff, right? And my statements of work are 30, 40 pages long. And I have to go through. I have. Oh, yeah. It's don't get me wrong. Don't think I write that. But yeah, they're there. I have standard. Yeah, forms you copy paste. I have to pick like, the right yeah. one. And then I have to. But then I have to read through it and make sure that everything I actually want is in there. Because if there's one little thing I leave out and the KO, which is the, the person that writes he's the gonna, actual. Yeah, he's going to refuse. There, <laughs> he, they refuse. Well, they. They review them, but if it's wrong, it kicks back to me and the whole process starts again. And so you don't want to do that because it might take two or three months to get the KO. Um, so anyway, um, bureaucratic bullshit. Yeah. Number um, one. Person Lesson that, one. A person that sits, don't work for the government. <laughs> a person sits in, across the, the parking lot from me. But um, so, but I mean, obviously there's a good reason for it. Um in the eighties, the old uh, five hundred dollar hammer. You heard about yeah. that? You know the five hundred. So, um, uh, the mill spec hammer. Yeah. Anyway, so my point is um, that there's a lot of inherent cost because of upper overhead costs. But so if the military has mill spec, they have a mill spec. Then all that Fender has to do is say, "I want it to spec." Now, here's the problem that that a lot of people don't get when they when they're spe- spending a little extra money. Okay, you're willing to get go to Milkman, or you're willing to go to um, give me another uh, boutique amp manufacturer. Friedman, Friedman, Friedman is not boutique. No, he's not even close. <laughs> he's, he's he likes to pretend he is. The same, he's sourcing the same crap as everybody else. But oh no, Siri, I didn't ask you anything. Um, now Siri's got to get in it. Um, <clears> so all of our digital assistants are just no. they're just like <laughs> podcast bombing. I don't know why she thought she was Friedman or, or Milkman, but anyway. Um, so I, uh, here's the here's the thing I'm getting at. So if you go to a, um, somebody like that and willing to spend a little extra money, and in and in reality, a Fender Twin is not isn't that expensive if you look at it. So What's fifteen hundred dollars? Uh, I think they're seventeen. Like I think they're seventeen hundred. Seventeen hundred. Yeah. Okay. And a, oh, is it the deluxe that's fifteen hundred? Yeah, I think so. The deluxe is like thirteen hundred to fifteen hundred. I, I, yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. So I'm, I'm just guessing. I'm just yeah. So a twin is sixteen fifty nine. Okay, there you go. Uh, a twin is sixteen fifty nine. Okay, good enough. So, um, 
And of course, when you go to the twin, this is what everybody will say. They'll say, oh, well, if I don't get a reissue that's, you know, like a custom shop or whatever, I'm not going to get these parts. Well, that's because when Fender goes out and goes to, as we were just talking about, they go to um, the salespeople. Hey, I want some, I want some parts. If I don't buy mil-spec parts, then the, this is, this is the, the, um, the person that's in the place that's building it, right? I build transformers. I test this transformer. Oop, doesn't pass um, specs for Milkman, but it does pass specs for Fender. Go to the Fender, Fender bin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Okay, I've I've met all my Milkman stuff. Now everything else just goes in the Fender box. So some of the good stuff goes in there. Some of the good stuff does. Yeah. That's what that that's the point I was about to make. So if I'm um, uh, doing this for uh, my daughter builds now she works for Corning. And I can't even tell you because she can't even tell me some of the th- stuff she's yeah, building. Yeah, like That's the glass that goes into iPhones and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Or on a space right, shuttle. Right, right. And yeah, so <laughs> it's literally um, literally stuff she can't even talk about. It, it, ingredients. It's 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 funny because she'll talk about recipes and ingredients. Which the funny like, thing is you have oh, well. a security clearance. So. I know, but I can't, but yeah, but as anybody who has a security clearance knows, there's also need to know. And so uh, that's why Edward Snowden's an idiot. But anyway, so um, uh, did I say that out loud? Um, But uh, anyway, what I was getting at is that that the the specific stuff, if you, if, if Fender said to the vendor, look, I can't take this if it doesn't meet this spec. Um, when I was working for Ioxus, we had specs, and we could say, okay, that oh yep, Honda can take that, Peugeot can take that, um, you know, Ford could take this, Chevy can take this, so on and yeah, so forth. As long forth. as, as, so long as the spec is similar ones. enough, yeah, you can get away. Right, with that. and vi- and what you want to do, obviously, if you're the manufacturer, what's the last thing you want to do? Throw something to the trash, right? You don't want to throw it in the trash. You want to find somebody that will take as wide a range of spec as you can. So that's the person that pays less. And that's that's your sourcing reality, folks. I think there's a lot of there's probably a lot of merit there. I would suspect because we use such similar output tube complements and stuff that most amps have fairly similar spec. Like there's probably only a couple of varieties of transformer. Um and I know that you can tailor yeah. an amp based on transformers and do vice versa. So I've seen I've seen like enough DIY videos where people are building amps that they're just like I got this old uh, transformer out of this radio. <laughs> it's like, what? Um, but but, and you have no idea what the specs yeah, are. Yeah, but yeah, he's yeah, like, well, I'm going to measure it, and then you know, <laughs> like you're like, okay. Um, this old super heterodyne receiver that I found. In yeah, uh, well, we're not talking about uh, um, uh, you know, the guy that digs in dump- dumpsters, but um, <laughs> I, no. So I mean, I just don't. I like I don't put a whole lot of um, merit, especially when you're buying older stuff. I don't put a whole lot of merit in, hey, this old amp sounds better than this new one, as being like, because the amp is old or new. I think they're all pretty close, but I think that like the older ones have a lot of component drift anyway. And so it's really hard to judge. That amp sounded like that when it came off the line kind of deal. Um, right. exactly. And I think you're not comparing apples to apples in a lot of cases. Um, I will say this, with a few, with a few cases where I have seen a, a vintage amp they have like a smokier sound to them um than what you're going to get off the line and i think that's just pure component drift and i think it's things like the speaker just being like beat to hell 
and uh, you know the the life of the amp is towards its end. Um, I also think that the transformers are probably, and I'm glad we talked about it because they're probably the most significant portion of the amp, other than the tubes, for affecting the tonality of an amp. And I can tell you, um, just based on personal experience, the amps I like tend to have really big freaking transformers in them, um, which means they're usually mm-hmm. heavy as hell. And um, you just you pay for it and wait. Uh, but you can see this trend in modern amps to going to smaller transformers. I don't know what that's all about. I've long suspected it's a cost thing. And this would line up directly with that because they're probably using transformers of lighter weight, lower cost, and probably similar to something else that's already being produced for somebody else in large quantities. So, um, yeah, this isn't a gear podcast. This episode got pretty gear heavy. We're not even close to being done. Um, so it's probably worth noting that, you know, don't tune out. We are going to talk about music. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, I think it's, no, I think it's a worthwhile thing. Cause not everybody's as gear headed as Jim and I are. So like you wouldn't necessarily know, you probably, you may not even know what a transformer does in your amp. Um, it's basically a power supply for your tubes. I think that's, yeah, let's talk about that for a yeah, minute. It's a yeah. power supply for your tubes. Your tubes have, um, a voltage they need to be supplied in order to function. And usually your transformer takes the 120 volt AC out of the wall and changes that trans that transforms that voltage into the voltage that's necessary to drive the tubes. I don't know what that voltage is offhand, um, and it varies from tube to tube, but it, it it does it does significant work. And then also you have a you have a transformer that that's your AC transformer, right? So it takes your AC voltage in, manipulates it, and then does that. Yeah. And then your your uh, other transformer takes the voltage from the tube's output and actually steps it to the correct um, the correct values needed to drive your speakers. And that's, you know, of course, your resistance. And um, that's where your resistance comes from is that, that output transformer. But also, uh, it, it has a lot to it. The voltages that, that, that it puts out and stuff are controlled by that transformer. So it's just a it they're both very significant components but generally when i'm talking about like higher weight larger transformers generally what that translates to is higher headroom um stiffer feeling amp um tougher feeling amp you know like it, it has a lot more muscle and it's usually bigger sounding too uh, i don't know what a choke does though that's one that i've always wondered about so you you'll hear about because a choke is really a transformer. It's a tiny transformer. Um, so you usually have like a, 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 a you'll have some various components of amp. You have your tubes. You have a rectifier tube and a lot of amps. Or you'll have a diode rectifier. You'll have, you know, transformers. And you'll have a choke in a lot of amps. that have. And that choke is specific. I know what it is. The uh, The rectifier tube. The choke is probably the power supply for the rectifier tube. Which is probably different yeah. than the regular tubes that you're using everywhere else. Yeah, the to- the choke is going to filter. Um, so it's uh, it's a specialized type of um, inductor, and it's filtering off dirt, so that you're not amplifying crap. Um, if you throw a, I mean, if you throw a lot of crap at at your amp, you you are dirty, you know, to a point. But there's certain Stuff you want to you want to kind of filter out some things, and they do some of that with to, with tone stack filtering, but it's supposed yep. to be filtering out like white noise and stuff. I think, right? Yeah. So, 
Yep. It's uh, it's passing the DC and filtering out low frequency AC. Okay, that makes sense. So it has a lot to do with whether you have uh, DC hum and stuff in your amp. Um, and I'm trying to remember my electronics, but I think a choke is similar in a lot of ways to a capacitor, only it does it differently. Because a capacitor um, or physically is uh, a different type of um, circuit than a choke or, a, well, an inductor. Because that was the one part of, of basic electricity and electronics I forget. Well, I never thought inductors and capacitors. I can never recall seeing a choke on an amplifier that doesn't have a recti- like a tube rectifier. It has to, right. Because, okay, so, right. So, some tube amps have a solid state amplifier. Right. It's, it's usually a solid right. state part of the power amp that's used to drive the, or it's a solid state part of the preamp that's used to drive the power amp harder. Um, it's right. called your rectifier circuit, right? And that's where you get the solid state rectification. And um, you'll often run into amps that try to pass off their last gain stage as a solid state rectifier instead, which is yeah. like, you know, JCM, JCM 900s, which use, they clipped mm-hmm. a diode for distortion. And they claim that it was part of the rectifier circuit, if I recall, um, which it really wasn't. It's part of the preamp, and it just depends on it depends on how you look at the schematic. Basically, it's what I've been what I've been told, anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you have a, a tube rectifier, you have an actual tube power, right? Very different from a solid state um, rectifier, right? And the, the difference from a player standpoint is stiffness. In a tube rectified yep. environment, it's going to be a spongier feeling thing. And depending on how that, that tube is biased and set up and how it's utilized in the circuitry, it can be a lot spongier or it can be a hair a bit spongier. Um, I have never been a big fan of tube rectified amps, save for like Fender stuff, because that's part of the Fender sound, that bounce. Um but I will say this, uh, you want to try it out, go check out the uh, rectifier for Mesa Boogie. Look at one of the Recto Reborns, the new ones, um, because they they kick ass with solid state or tube rectification. And um, I got to be honest, you can hear the difference and you can feel the difference like right away. That's um, it's a totally its own thing. And I can see why people are interested in things like that, like having an amp that can do both, because I think it really defines a part of that sound. Um, I never really side note for the rectifier. I never really thought they were that versatile. And then I played a reborn. So one of the newer ones with the switch on it and all that. And I went, wow, this thing will do Marshall. It'll do fender. I mean, and, and it's not like, <sighs> so the, the Mark five will too, but you're relying a lot on that five band EQ to shape the EQ tonalities. Whereas like the Mesa boogie will, the, the um, rectifier, will literally just feel like that amp. <laughs> I mean, if you want it to feel like a Fender when you're playing clean and then feel like a Marshall when you're playing dirty, um, but sound like its own unique thing, like the recti- the Rectifier series of amps is probably for you. Yeah. The, uh, I, mean, I was really impressed, man. I thought they were like brutal death metal things. And I played one and I was like, wow, I could play blues with this. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, th- their first use was kind of in that um, heavier tone sound. I think I think that just ha- just so happened 
that they had high gain. Yeah. And because of the Mark II C plus, that's what everybody was looking at Mesa Boogie for anyway. And so it was kind of like, this yep. is the next logical step. But there were other players using him too, like Lindsey Buckingham. And he's not yeah. a guy known for, you know, like going out and playing some brutal death metal or anything. Nope. Nope. But he wasn't the one that made it famous. That was the weird thing. I, it was so who, many who do you, metal who, bands. Uh, so obviously many new metal bands. And I want to, I want to specify this. Those bands are not yeah. real metal bands. When you rip rap, when you mix rap with metal, you're not a metal band. Stop it. The only band that got away with that and shouldn't have, and I'm going to say it, and I know people are going to get pissed, they shouldn't have gotten away with it, was Anthrax. What's that What's that math metal band that was really Mud big? Mudvayne? Um, Mud oh my gosh. Now we're going back. All right. Let me pull up the new metal page, because I think we have to go take a trip down my memory lane when, when I was a kid. <laughs> Remember, I was not a fan. Right. Just, I'm just saying. So, I will admit to owning various corn records uh i saw corn and stained live uh stained was when i saw them it was before the song that broke them and they were freaking awesome and then that song came out and then they were freaking bad because <laughs> they started to like change their their sound oh stained when they had uh I I, been yeah, a while. it's been a while. That's the yeah, one. Right. I saw them before that. Been a while. Because they, they had a gold record before that. And we saw them on the tour where they were touring that record. And it's been a while, had not been out yet. And now Aaron Lewis of Stain, the singer, is a country singer. I mean, that's like literally the direction they went. was this other trajectory because of that song. Um, and I think it was just they grabbed they grabbed onto the fact that they were successful with that song, and it was a huge hit, probably one of the biggest hits of the new metal generation. And they were like, "We're going to ride this thing all the way to town," you know. Um, what was the other song that sounds exactly like that that they had a big? I hit don't know. With? I don't think they had any other big hits, quite frankly. Yeah, they did. Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read you, and you'll all go. Right, so oh, I while you're doing that, I'm gonna go through some of the other bands. So there's Corn, right? That was the first one, and that was the LA metal scene. Like they hit about ninety. 192 uh and then limp biscuit who was actually like kind of ushered into notoriety by corn that's a whole other like thing um and of course we all know fred durst is not a good human being um and then of course kid rock which i think kid rock actually probably would have been successful regardless um because he was doing the party rock thing and that was a big thing in the midwest um, he was, he was kind of like the twisted sister of his era. He was popular before his records started coming out and hitting the charts, uh, here in the Midwest. So new metal, uh, early two thousands, they had, you know, Papa Roach. I knew a guy that was so big, biggest, oh, Papa biggest Roach. Pink Floyd fan you'd ever met in him. your life. All he wanted to do was, oh, it's not a him. It's a band. But anyway, biggest, uh, biggest Pink well, Floyd fan in your life. Like all he wanted to do is play David Gilmore stuff. Cause me one day he goes, man, I've really gotten into playing some of this Papa Roach stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, he's like, do you think it's true that he, that he peed in his mouth? And I'm looking and I was like, I don't think that's how the story went, but probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the other big hit is out, Outside. I'm on oh, the yeah. outside. I'm a cannon. I can see yeah, through that, that you. Was the see through yeah, yeah, you. So that was the next. But the that, was on that, that was on the same record with. Um, 
And they had another one right here. That was another hit. Oh, I don't think I've ever heard that one. So the funny thing is all this stuff's going on, right? I get into music. Um, I would argue that one of the first like bands that I went, really wanted to learn to play the music of, and I didn't really ever learn any of it, was Korn because they played seven string guitars. And I'm like, yeah, I can't. I can't play any of this. Like I don't have a seven string and I'm not going to down tune every time I want to learn somebody else's song. That was the incredibly frustrating part about new metal. So since everybody thought their guitars were strung with rubber bands, everybody was tuning to a different, like a different key. And so you'd go to learn a song and every time you'd be like, well, crap, now I have to tune. Like, what do you mean? I have to tune to F standard or like, you know, like down to the F um, or, you know, double drop D or, you know, this crazy stuff. And it's like, why can't we all just play an E? Like, what the hell? Um, so I was big into like Rage Against the Machine um, and that kind of stuff. And again, there's another band that was totally inaccessible for that time period, unless you had a whammy pedal, you know, and, yep. and a and a broken, Everybody and was a trying broken to guitar. Out, do that and a broken sure. guitar. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. It goes like this. Always find a way to be right here waiting. You find a better way. And we're right here waiting. I don't remember it, but they're all ballads. Exactly. That was their thing. Because that's not the the first album didn't have ballads on it. <laughs> well, that's like that, that band that did uh, the lips of an angel or yeah, something whatever. of an angel. So, anyway, they, there was none of their music was like that. That's like what was that? What was that? Uh, uh, it it kind of set that whole eighties. Uh, it was like the eighties um, anthem thing, where every eighties band had to ballad. have a power. I always ballad. blame that on and Motley Cinderella, Crue, but I know Cinderella is a big deal. But I always blamed it on Motley Crue because of Home Sweet Home, because that's like the most ridiculous oh, yeah. power ballad ever. If you've ever oh, listened to the vocal oh. style and shit of that, it's so bad. It sounds like a toddler singing it. Um, well, because he had a terrible voice. I'm not going there. Does. That's between them and their fans. But like, I think that that song was sung like a like a third grader. I I was just like, wow. I always wondered why do they bother tuning down? I mean his his voice. Um, you know when because he would have sounded like King Diamond if they didn't. Chow, chow to the devil. He would have sounded like King Diamond if they didn't. You had. See, had Kiss took off their makeup, and what did what did Motley Crue, Motley Crue and Poison yeah, put, put it on? Much on? It was like Kiss said, "Hey, <laughs> we got we got yeah." Uh, uh, um, what was it? Uh, Look what the cat dragged in. I think it was the first Poison um, album. Poison but seriously, that had right, we're in. getting we're getting we're getting off the beaten track though because we're still talking about new metal. There's a lot to talk about here. All right, so new metal. um. I'm I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. This is this is worth this is worth reading because there's a lot of things I didn't necessarily understand that were feeding into this things I learned later. So some of the yeah. founding like 19 they they consider like the beginning of new metal to be 1993, which is funny because there were already bands that were kind of going around before 1993, and so most of the like groove metal and thrash metal bands of the same period. Um, Machine Head, Sepultura, Metallica, Pantera, Slayer, Anthrax, and before that, um, they they kind of credit themselves for having created like new metal, even though they weren't really responsible for. It. So, I, I don't think anybody's going to sit here and argue that Dimebag Daryl had any influence on the band Corn. Like, there's no way in hell. But there uh, there have been people that have said things like, if there was no Dimebag Daryl, there'd be no Corn. 
You're freaking nuts. They don't sound anything alike. Corn didn't corn cover um Pink Floyd. Yeah, but that was when they do another book on the wall. That was terrible. Jim, Jim, you have to understand. That was the MTV. So MTV wanted to do that thing where they were going to get these outrageous artists to play other people's material to be controversial. And and to be honest, yes, it was not good. But you have to admit, like you didn't expect them to come out and do that well. And that was that was the thing that shocked people. It was like, wait a minute, they actually took that seriously, and they actually tried to do something with it. Whereas you yeah. got Avril Lavigne trying to play some Metallica, and it was like, what the fuck? Uh, pardon my French. But she still, I still, when I hear her name, I'm like, huh? Um, I don't even want to hear her name, which we'll get there in a minute because I actually did hear her name last week and I was not happy. Um, (laughs) So I'm I'm looking at this article and I'm just saying, I want to get her on the show. No, absolutely not. I'm seeing a list of, um, I'm seeing a list of people that I'm like, these people had no, no real like influence on new metal. Um, now there's a whole so okay, this is how crazy that time of music was. Like, let's just see what we can do. You'll hit you'll have bands. Um, they these bands I think did probably have something to do with it. And then uh, actually we'll talk about the ones that say that they did, but didn't necessarily. So we already talked about it. So like Machine Head, Sepultura, Metallica, Pantera, Slayer, Anthrax all say that they were deeply um involved in, you know, creating new metal. No, actually I think new metal was a reaction to those bands. So they weren't yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that you could call them at all. That was thrash right. metal. Well, thrash metal and groove sure. metal, because Pantera's in there. But, yeah. Um, Pantera, yeah. Was- but they were also saying, like, these are the other bands. These are probably the real bands that influence them, right? Like Faith No More, Primus, Helmet, um, yep. Pool, yep. Fear Factory, 24-7 yep. Spies, yep. Fishbone, Biohazard, Suicidal yeah. Tendencies, um, Red Hot Chili yep. Peppers, Nine Inch Nails, which I would actually – Sort of consider them a new metal band. That would be on the um, White Zombie, yeah. Mr. Bungle, Rage Against the Machine, obviously. Definitely, definitely Mr. Bungle. Okay. So, with that in mind, here's the crazy part about new metal that's the list of influences that probably did have some effect on that scene. Here's the list of influences that you're not going to expect, but, but it clearly should be, right? Dr. Dre, <laughs> Cypress Hill, um, the Beastie yeah. Boys, uh, you know, yeah. uh, all these different like um, late stage, well, these not, not who gangster were, rap, but like right before gangster rap stuff. Yeah, they, they were they were doing rap over things that nobody else was doing. The one, that, I mean, the one that they cite here that I think is actually because I don't know how into rap music you are at all, but the one that they cite here that I actually would agree with is a tribe called Quest because a tribe called Quest was making these beats that were like, what the hell. Like what? How are you even going to yeah. rap over that? And then they do it, and you're like, "Oh God!" <laughs> like this is nuts. Um, and that's exactly what some of these like rap metal groups did. But I think rap metal is its own thing. So when we talk about new metal, right. I'm not really talking about. Um, I'm not really talking about Limp Bizkit and all their descendants because that's like its own right. unique brand of go to hell. Um, <laughs> yep. I, I just you can't mix something that is intended as like a counterculture thing was something that is basically like commoditizing it because that's yeah, what exactly. a, my, my intense problem I had with Limp Bizkit was like, here's Fred Durst wearing sports t-shirts and stuff on stage so he can market himself and then putting together yep. these tours of all these people so that he can market himself and all these different things. It's like, wait a minute, that's uh, rap on its own was a counterculture thing before that point. And so was rock music before that point. 
And then right around that time right. is when you had the shift from from people like Jay Z in the rap community. They were like, "Oh, well, we can sell this great, this great. I want to be this person experience to people." Um, it's it's just a yeah. base, big change in the way that that all works. But what I wanted to, what I want really looking for is I like I want a list of like cohesive bands that you would consider um, new metal, so we can just go down through them. So. I'm not seeing what I was hoping to find here, but I can start to go through some of the ones that I'm seeing as they get called out in the thing. So like corn was the big one for me. Um, I grew out of them mm-hmm. by the time I was out of high school. I really wasn't listening to them all that much. Um, they came out with issues, I think in my freshman year and then their next album, take a look in the mirror. I don't even think I bought it. Um, that's, that's how much, how much the shift was by that time. Like I was also into bands like orgy um which they yeah. had a great first record and i know a lot of people like vapor transmission which is their second one i thought it wasn't that great um they lost a lot of their hard edge and got away from their like 80s rock feel which was not what i was looking for um i liked the fact that they were kind of like a heavier depeche mode sort of thing um to go down, it's just they got Limp Biscuit again, which is not really. And of course, all of these bands are competing against things like Pearl Jam and all the other late 90s bands, and even things like the Rolling Stones, who are still trucking around at that point. Um, Disturbed. Yeah. So, Disturbed was a band that I actually enjoyed some of the stuff off their first record from. I think I even owned one of their t shirts at one point. Um, because um, that was the other thing when you were listening to this stuff jim you had to own all the merchandise it's like you had to have t-shirts and all that shit to show your you know your band oh, pride right. and all this. like now i'm like i don't want to wear anything with anybody's band name because i don't know who these people are like they could be touching people for all i know and then i'll find out about it later and feel like such a tool because i wore this shirt um papa roach so that's another band that that gets touted a lot from that time period uh lincoln park so I can I can readily admit I had grown out of new metal by the time Lincoln Park hit because I know that people thought Lincoln Park was like the thing for for a super long time and I was never I I never even owned a record. Um, there was a there was a um, Guitar World um, interview with either Disturbed or Godsmack. I want to say it might have been Godsmack, but it was one of yeah. those two. And the singer was talking about how he was having a tough time because on the road. Um, he was singing so hard that when he was when he was pushing it, he was vomiting was while disturbed. he was singing. I wrote a I wrote a um I wrote a letter to Guitar World saying um they, and I actually have that issue where they where they, they published po- your letter uh, posted yeah. it. Yeah, and uh my letter said um oh thank goodness I'm not the only one who pukes when he hears that music. <laughs> so. Um Lincoln Park, Crazy Town. Which was like on the end of new metal. Oh my god! Oh god! It, let's not even go there because I bought that record and then my brother took it and I I I was kind of ticked at first, but then I was like, you know what? Take it, <laughs> like take it away from me. When I heard, um, when I heard the the name the first time, I thought that the band was I thought it was a country band. I was trying to see who else. Um, of the bands for oh the one I like those Deftones right. Um. Oh, and yeah, I yeah, stuck with Deftones. That was Stephen Charpenter, right? Yeah. I Steven I stuck Charpenter? with Deftones. Deftones is still good. Okay. That band did have something special going on. But they were so like yeah. every generation has, I'm sure, Jim, you can recall hundreds of bands like I'm doing right now, where you're like, 
God, they were awful. Like, what were people thinking? But there's the two or three that rose to the cream of the crop, and everybody remembers them. You know, like Deftones. Even though Deftones only really had like the one big hit record, everybody remembers who they were. System oh, yeah. of a Down, another example of a band that System of a Down. That there was just something different about them that I liked. You know, I was not into, like I said, Godsmack, Disturbed. It wasn't rap rock, number one. It was just the way he sings. Yeah, he's got a Middle Eastern thing going on. Yeah, he's he's Iranian. Uh, No, he's Armenian. Yeah, from the Middle East, you know. Um, And it's it's just its own thing. And, like, it exists in its own space. And it doesn't have to be worried about what else is going on by everyone else. And that's what yeah. it's like. I think things like MTV. This was the end of MTV screwing up a lot of the music scene, because what was clearly happening was like these bands all looked very similar, and they all had right. very similar videos. And there's a scene. Yep. There's a part in Metalocalypse where they they meet a rap rock band. And they're going to sign him and do a do an album for him. And I think you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. And the guys yeah. are all in like the, the jerseys with the tattoo, the big tattoos. Yeah. And they look like they're all built and they're like all yeah. shaved head. So it's like, yep, that was, that was new metal, right? It was a bunch of guys that look like right. they, they just got on their low riders playing, you know, rap rock essentially. And yeah, um, with, you know, there's some variation there. Um, but I don't think any of these bands really have like survived the way that the previous generation before them did or the generation before them. So like we go back, so like, let's say eighties metal, right? Eighties metal and hair metal. We just lump them all together, like rap rock and new metal. I was going to say, no, we cannot put eighties metal. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Jim. And I'll tell you why, because they put new metal and hair metal or not hair metal and rap rock together. That's crap. And it's no, di- it's no it, real it difference. Crap. I mean, it, okay. So to me, eighties metal was um, guys who who had started in the seventies and were still doing it in the eighties. That was Judas Priest. That was Iron Maiden. You know, that was those guys. Where eighties um, hair metal was Warrant, and that was um, Rat, and that was and, not uh, that it was anything and, wrong uh, with Roy Winger, or Rat my personal or favorite, Winger. Andy Gibb on bass. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> every one of them, every one of them had a ballad that if you go back and you listen and you watch the video and you listen to the lyrics, it is so um wrong. Headed for, headed so for a heartbreak is it's still a great tune though. Um you're absolutely right on oh, that. That's one. A, but yes, it is a great tune. I mean, other than than when Cinderella came out and and it was like you, you know everybody do you don't know what you got till it's gone. <laughs> you know, it's like is that guy taking a crap yeah, or is he? Like I don't know tell. what he's doing. Somebody he ate too much cheese, but um, no, he was a, he's a great great singer. He's, a, he's an excellent singer. What's funny is that's how he sings, <laughs> but nobody knew any of the other stuff. But it's like you know what you got or um. Uh, 18 and life to go 18 and life you said it you know so many good songs came out you can't you can't not listen to that stuff and and kind of like yeah, that's some because 
the thing about a great song, I don't care what the song is. I mean, even a song like, you know, I hate to say it, um, uh, you know, if you like pina coladas, because it's escape. it's timeless. You can still, yeah, escape the, the pina yes. colada song. It it's the, well um, the beauty of yeah, the beauty of songs like that, American Pie. You know, um, everybody's still got those feelings that lament lamenting about things that were great at one time are now gone. That was American Pie, or that um, the the you know, if you like pina coladas, you. You're like, oh, I'm out of my relationship. Then you find out that there's things you can love about each other still or whatever. I mean, if you look at great music like that, um, what is that band that's got um, Let the Body Sit the Floor? <sighs> Drowning Pool. Drowning. And you know what? I, I hate to say it, but I, I love that oh, I song. I don't like the I, I, don't, I didn't hear it. I completely missed that song when it came out to the point where – like everybody else knew it, and I knew it from the other people I knew who would like sing it and just kind of be jerks, yeah, you know. Weird. And then I heard it later. I knew it from like, a oh, guy who did it. I was karaoke. like, that must be that song. Like I was like, oh okay, yeah. And and honestly, like I don't regret not hearing that song ever. Like some things just shouldn't happen, and that's one of them. Well, it, it's one of those party so hard that you're just, you know. Does anybody songs, remember man, Andrew WK? Speaking of party metal, no, you should check them out sometime, no. uh, Jim. You should go take a look at the yeah. Andrew WK. I mean, I'm just saying that, that anything from what's that song? Uh, shake it, shake it, shake it like a Polaroid picture. Um, oh, what the heck's the name of that song? I'm looking oh, for a song God. list from Andrew WK just so I can list read some song titles to you. Oh, wonderful! Um, but the thing is that whether it's whether it's the Gambler from uh, um, Kenny Rogers or whatever, a, a song that that speaks to timelessness. I think that's why people, especially right now, a band like, um, uh, oh, we, we were mentioning or, or Tom Morello. Um, come on. What's Rage the band? Machine. Rage Against Machine. Um, <clears throat> I think that's right now. We need another Rage Against Machine. Yeah. We need we, somebody that's kind of trying to challenge our status quo. Because right now we've had a lot yeah. of. I was talking to uh, one of our show listeners. It's probably Mike again. Um, and I, <laughs> we've got a lot of descendants and knockoff bands of the White Stripes, which I would argue signaled the end of the new metal era. Was when White Stripes, the yeah. Vines, and the Hives, and all these other like garage bands started to to blow up, and then all of a sudden you had Black Keys. And then later on, you had Rival Sons and all of the descendants of these different bands. Like, that's what we have today is like basically Black Keys slash Jack White knockoffs. Um, and I say that, you know, when I was talking about TRL and MTV ruining the landscape of music back then, what I was referring to specifically was the fact that these bands all looked similar. And so they all it was like the record company is like, well, these guys are real big on TRL right now and that's selling records. So let's, let's make a band that looks just like them or find a band that looks just like them. And then we'll put them on there. So you got Limp Bizkit. And that's how you ended with POD. And you know, like, um, Oh my God. I, I mean, you could see that you could see the parallels. Right. And then all of a sudden you've got this like landscape of bands that look exactly alike. Like I said, they got the low rider guys. And I say that, and I, it's not a that's not a racial comment at all, because quite frankly, I think the guys in Corn look like they got out of Lowriders too. Um, and I mean, 
there there is like well, I, I don't think they all are, are all white, are they? You can say they're white as you know they look like oh. white trash almost, but no, actually their bass player is is uh uh he's Mexican, I believe. Um, so he's Latino. He's Hispanic. I don't know exactly what country he hails from, and that's fine. Uh, I just you know the the rest of the band like with the dreadlocks and the it's just a whole thing. It's a whole like scene that that uh, it, it's like these people came from a. For, this is why I was thinking the the they look like white trash because they come from a um <laughs> they they come from a <laughs> juggalo convention um yeah from the insane yeah, clown yeah. posse and uh, and let's face it there is no race in juggalo yeah um oh <laughs> uh, I'm recalling a YouTube video where somebody went to a juggalo convention and it's bad. It's really bad. Um, <laughs> Tosh Point yeah. had that guy on. Yep, you know yep, the one I'm talking about it, where it he won hilarious. that rap competition. Yes, yep. yep. Oh my god, that was um, hilarious. The web redemption that John Tosh Point. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen that video, check it out. It's at least funny, but it's also yeah. kind of scary because the people that are so yeah, sad and scary. If you haven't, if you haven't seen the the do, documentary Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia, I highly recommend you check it out. I have yeah. people I know who are very similar to the wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia. So if you don't believe I know trailer trash yeah. to call it when I see it, uh, <laughs> the wild and wonder. I, I was born I, trailer trash. <laughs> that was a very good chance that that could have been me. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying huh. that, that anyone in particular, in my family is that way, but I am saying that there are people that associate with my family that are often at family functions that are definitely that way. Um, and so, well, let's see. I, I definitely have trailer trash. So this is what I'm getting at though, is that I mean, literally trailer trash. This is what I'm getting at though. It's like, they've got, they picked this particular look. It, it was consistent across the board and then suddenly MTV fell out of favor. And now all of a sudden, like everybody's trying to do the same thing, but they're now looking at the new sound, well, now, which is basically like the whole like post garage thing that's going on and you're right we need a new well, we know, need somebody new um and i don't care what they look right. like i'm i'm totally the guy from the uh from money for nothing where he's like he's like yeah look at that guy <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah. i could do that yep <laughs> yep we got to move these yeah. microwave ovens we got to move these uh -huh. color tvs but remove the homophobic reference oh, yeah. from the from the song yeah, for sure We've got to we've got to change history because For we're sure. in an Orwellian society. But anyway, um, uh, let's 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 just act yeah. like it never happened. Um, <laughs> that way, you don't hate my song. Anyway, um, what I was getting at is is this: is that that we need a band that that's willing to to break out of the room. You know, for some reason, people bands who try so hard not to be other people wind up looking like each other. You know, it's like. Okay, guys, we're going to get on stage. Yeah. Okay, what T-shirt are we going to wear? Well, we're not in Metallica. Let's wear Metallica shirts. We're not in Iron Maiden. Let's wear Iron Maiden. I think that's exactly like, what okay, happened now in that I time period. was like, well, everything else has already been done. So what are we going to do? Well, let's yeah. just throw on some sports jerseys and wear some Jinkos. Yeah. And then put some some wallet yeah. chains on. And we'll go out and we're going to rock. I can tell you. You know? If you had the volume down, I couldn't tell the difference between Limp Biscuit and what's that? Sugar yeah, Ray. Yeah. I mean, and you know what the funny thing is, Jim? <laughs> Sugar Ray is another band that nobody listened to the rest of the record. Because I'll tell you, they're one yeah. of the best hardcore bands I've ever heard. 
And if if people listen to the really listen to the lyrics, I don't know what you would call them, but they're not that like they are not, uh, you know, they're they're big hit songs. Let's put it to you that way. Let's just say that song about the butterfly is about any had not anything to do with butterflies. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Say about that. Um, But uh, yeah, there. We're getting to that hour and 50. So we've got our hardcore fans who can listen to this stuff and won't be uh, offended. There's, there's definitely, we should talk about songs that um, they don't fit what they sound like that, that song I was talking about that shake it, shake it like a Polaroid picture. Hold on. Songs where the lyrics totally do not match up with the actual song itself. Like when you listen to the song, you're like, wait a minute, that was the lyrics. Like, huh? Outcast. Hey, yeah. Right. Outcast. Hey, yeah. Right. That is not a song about no, not at all. That song is about a terrible breakup and him wanting to. That's like that song. Uh, what was it? Um, uh, the guy that uh, he used to be on The Voice. He was a coach on The Voice, and then uh, CeeLo Green. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't even know if I can say the name of the song. I know what you're. Ta- I know what you're talking about. Don't bother. We all know the song at this point. If you don't, you can look it up online. You'll find it. Blank you. Yeah. It's such a happy sounding song. And it's yeah. you. <laughs> it's just it literally well, the I mean, name if of you the got song. shot in the neck, I think you probably uh you probably have that attitude about life too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Avril um, Levine. That so we got a few minutes left. Let's, let's talk about Avril Let's talk about Avril Levine. So Let's see if I can find Avril Levine. I was cruising through iTunes this week, and um, I don't normally get on iTunes, but I was downloading the new Philip Sacy record. Philip Sace records, not Sacy. Um, And by the way, which is fantastic, I'd highly recommend everybody go check it out. Um, Anyway, so I was just curious. I was trolling around there, had a couple minutes to kill because we're on COVID nineteen, and I go look at the top one hundred downloads charts. And, you know, of course, this is album sales, like people who are actually buying records. And I'm going to pull it up while we're on the podcast here. iTunes. So this will probably kill like five minutes of showtime um, since iTunes sucks so bad now because they're not supporting it anymore. Oh, I want to talk about I want to talk so, about that. For um, go ahead. If you go into the store and you search for actually just go to the store front page and then you go over and you can click. And I don't know if anybody actually knows you can do this, but I'm sure some of our listeners do. You can go over and you can see um, top songs, top albums. So at first I looked at top albums just to see who's in the list. And it was really kind of funny because the first 30 or so, oh, it's actually climbing. So most of the first 30 records or whatever are um, are like newer records, I guess. But there's quite a few old records in the top 30 or 40. And if you go down to like the top 100, you'll see a lot of old records. And if you go down to the top 200, you'll see even more. And so to give it give you a point um, to, to put a point on this and to kind of try to uh, dial this home. Number 14 is we're recording the episode right now is licensed to ill for the Beastie Boys. Uh, number 20 is Nirvana's mm-hmm. Nevermind. Number 26 is Bob Marley Legend, the best of Bob Marley. Um, Number 35 is Beastie Boys, Check Your Head. Number 31 is Creedence Clearwater Revival's Chronicle. Um, Number 36, although it's not an old album, it's all old songs, is Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome Mix Volume. I can't tell which volume it is. 
Um, I think one. I love the Garden of um, Galaxy. Number 41 is Journey's Greatest Hits. Number 42 is Foo Fighters' Greatest Hits. Uh, we don't even see Taylor Swift on this list until number 43. Um, number 46 is Beastie Boys' Hello Nasty, which is one of my favorites. Uh, number 48 is Wish You Were Here. Number 47 is the Eagles with their greatest hits, 1971 to 75. So you get the point, right? What are all these records doing on the top 100 charts? No one buys albums anymore. That's what's happening. And so the people who are buying albums are the either the generate the older generations or the ones that understand that the whole album is important. And yes, that even matters on greatest hits collections, especially when you talk about things like Bob, Mar- Bob Marley's Legends, which has outsold the original records like by like ten to one. Um, Rolling yeah. Stones, Hot Rocks, nineteen sixty four, nineteen seventy one. That's number fifty one. Uh, the Beatles are on here several times. I think I'm just not calling them out. Um, 52 is the dark side of the moon. Again, another record you would not listen to one song off of. In most cases, you're going to listen to the whole dang thing. The Beatles. Number one is at number 67. You would think that everyone owns that album twice at this point, but apparently not. Um, cause it's still here. I remember when that came yeah. out and everybody went to the music stores at midnight to get it. Um, for a greatest hits collection, like what? Um, Jagged Little Pill from Alanis Morissette is number 61. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers Greatest Hits is number 71. What is going on here? Um, And it's just, it just seems crazy to me. So this is one thing. We're having this conversation and I'm like, as I'm talking, I'm like, wait a minute. What's going on in the songs charts? Number one, Living in a Ghost Town from the Rolling Stones. It is a new single from the Rolling Stones. And then everything sort of continues on the straight and narrow for a while. There's not really any old stuff. There's Justin Bieber. There's Blake Shelton. There's Drake, Alicia Keys. The names you're probably familiar with if you listen to music. Post Malone. um, Modern, like current music. um, Maroon 5. And then I get down to number 24. And this person I thought had just exited the scene completely and we would never have to hear from them again. But lo and behold, here's Avril Lavigne at number 24. I'm like, I don't know of anything she's done in the last 20 years. Not since Chad Kroger. And let's, yeah, but- let's face it, she did the crap out of that. Um, <laughs> they were married. So I can say that. Um, <laughs> we, we would assume... <laughs> Um, <laughs> we would assume that was the case, uh, unless Chad Kroger is hiding something, which is also a possibility. Um, so then we've got Evanescence, Wasted on You. Again, another band, and I'm like, what happened? We're, I, I, I haven't heard anything out of them since take Wake Me Up Inside or whatever, you know, 20 years ago. But here they are with the uh, top 25th most downloaded song on iTunes in the past week. Uh, wish you were here from Pink Floyd. That's not a surprise, but that is the first like really, really big uh, old song that you'll find on the top 100 list, which is crazy when you consider it. Like that, there are still songs that are outselling. Now, granted, we're going to get to what this means and why what the realization I had, which was it's not a stupid realization, but it is also a stupid realization. I'll explain why. The reason why this doesn't mean anything is because these are not streaming charts. They're downloads. So 
Right. The vast majority of people are not paying for their music this way anymore. They have a subscription, and that's how they're getting it. But it is interesting to note that of the people who care enough to actually pay for music, many of them are still listening to the same stuff that was around 30 years ago. Um, in some cases, older. Yep. So, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. You got any thoughts, Jim? I got. I got to know. Like you got. You got to be thinking some stuff when I'm going through this. I am. Saying a lot of things. I also did a screenshot of our of us uh, and my reaction. And the Avril Lavigne thing. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but um, I, I want to say this. So I have um, iTunes Music now. I finally gave in. Said, all right, I'm going to subscribe to one of these gosh darn things. And I subscribed to iTunes Music. And you know what I've realized? See, a lot of people are like, oh, iTunes Music, they do a great job of figuring out what I want to listen to next. No, they don't. No, they don't. They just pour the, the same crap at you. It's, it's kind of like one of those Facebook things where, what's your future going to be? Oh, my God, you're going to be a dentist. You know, I mean, and then you can do it again. You'll be a jeweler. And the next time you do it, you're going to be a rock star. You don't know what it's going to be because in all reality, it's got nothing to do with you. Everything to do with some randomized bullshit that somebody's going to throw at you, right? It's the same thing with this with this iTunes music. If I don't put what I want next, somehow they will think that what I want to listen to is Dia Lupa or Rio right. Lupa or whatever her name is. I've got no interest in listening to Rio Lupa. I've got no interest in listening to uh, Billy Ellish. I've got no interest. I don't care. It's not that. It's not that there is none of that in my life. Can it do one smart thing? Look at my library and go, ooh, guy likes classic rock. Ooh, look what it what sells still popularly. There's a lot of classic rock. Let's throw some classic rock at them. I, Instead I of Boston, I get I Billy does Island. that. No, it doesn't. I have an Apple Music subscription, Jim. It asks you for your preferences when you set it up, and if you set it up correctly, it does. Well, I can tell you this because I just got it. I don't think it asks you anymore. Because it you didn't, didn't have me. like the little bubble thing where you said, had to drag things into little Venn diagrams and all that. Nope. 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 I had uh, it's it said, do you want to synchronize your library? I Is that just yes. iTunes or you have an Apple Music subscription? Are you paying Apple Music subscription? Ten ninety nine a month or whatever it is. I would be hard pressed to believe that they're not doing that anymore. I would really would. You, yep. you probably need to go and look and see if you can set up your preferences for that. And that's probably why you're running into that because they pride themselves on it. That was the big selling point was like, we're not like everybody else. We're not just going to force feed you crap. We're going to have curated playlists and all that. And Wrong. They do. They have <laughs> curated playlists. Oh, I'm sure I can set up playlists. But <clears throat> now I have no, to build they playlists. They have curated all over. playlists. What are you talking about? No, I, right now I don't have that. You can't search for a all playlist is crap. and find something that kind of matches what you're looking for. I would be shocked. If that were the case. No, no, no. I'm talking about they don't have playlists. Their their recommendations have nothing to do with the music that I listen to. Yeah, you need to fill out your questionnaire. Find out how to do that because because you you do, you got screwed because that's not how that's supposed to work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's built into my phone. You know, yeah, iPhone. that's what I'm saying. I mean, you need to find out what, what they skipped on your setup process because – 
I don't have any of the problems you're you're indicating to me. I have never been fed a song where I'm like, what the hell? Like, why would you be giving me Billie Eilish? Never used it and had that problem ever. Not 100%. I've been using it for three years and have never had that issue. Yeah. Because if I did, I'd cancel it. And what's funny is, see this at the top? Every time it says, I think, well, I it's think you for you, it. but it says, uh, it doesn't. It? No, no, no. This thing right here says, try it now for three months. I'm already a subscriber. Yeah, I've already got it. Something's Wait. wrong because you're not supposed to get that every time. And yet, when I go over here for the for you side, I haven't set that up. That's exactly that's what you need to do. do. Tell us what you're there. You to. go. Hey, Jim. Holy crap. I don't want to. There. See, there's the little bubbles you drag around. Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah, I shouldn't no. have to do that. It should oh, be smart. God, give me a break. Who doesn't have stuff in their library that doesn't indicate exactly what they want to listen to? Come on. It's just. Well, here's the problem I have. What? Yeah. So I had kids, right? Kids, dad, exactly. can we get this song? Can we get this song? <laughs> and now I have. I have like Avril Lavigne girlfriend yeah, is in my exactly. life. Exactly. Exactly. And B.O.B. Don't shoot the product um, until you've done all the setup. Cause I could tell you, I can tell you right now, bad I've had evil. plenty of I don't crap even know recommended to me on Spotify that I'm like, seriously, <laughs> what are you doing? The band Perry, the black eyed peas. Yeah. You need to, you need to dump that crap um, out of your library. Number one. Um, I don't know how to d get it out of my library. You'll have to uh, show me how to do that. I've had to do it, it, but I'm sure there's a way to do it. I think I have actually deleted some stuff out of my library before. Now that I think about it. Thank purchases. You have to go in and like permanently delete it from your purchase history. And you're basically, in fact, if I did, if I recall the last time I did it, it actually asked you, it's like, do you realize that you spent money on this? <laughs> it's like, yes, get it out of there. <laughs> See, the problem is if I hit country on this, it's not country. It's going to be broke country. Uh, actually, so what will happen is so you go through genres and then you go through artists. And it kind of tailors your artists too. So it will kind of gravitate you towards the stuff you like. So don't assume that because you haven't gone through the whole process yet. And it, as, I think they, you go through a couple steps and you can keep doing it and it will actually further refine. So – I highly recommend you go through that process. It doesn't take very long, a couple of minutes. And then you'll, a lot of that stuff will start clearing up or it should anyway. I don't know. I don't know how diverse and screwed up your tastes are. <laughs> oh, it's screwy. But, um, that's for sure. But you know, that's, that's a whole thing. Like these music services are now spoon feeding us the music we want. And I kind of think that's kind of bro a broken approach too, though. I really kind of wish that like I would get exposed to more music. Cause even when we were going through the new metal thing, we're talking about drowning pool and I'm kind of like, yeah, I wish that they had subscription services back then. Cause then I could have at least gone and listened to the song and known what it was all about. Even though I was already like, mm -hmm. I don't like this song. At least I would have known. Um, although there are certain things like, like Lizzo, I would rather not know about. Um, and I know people like, I look, it's not the, the feminism thing in, in Lizzo and all like, I get it. I just, it's gross. Like, I don't want to hear lyrics where they're singing the kind of crap that, that comes out in her music. She wants to do it, and there's an audience for it. Fine, go do it. I don't have to expose myself to it. I'm not angry that Lizzo exists. 
I'm just like, it's not for me. And uh, I'm okay with that. Stevie Wonder's Happy Birthday is the 147th song on the downloaded list. And I <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, See? Don't Stop Believing is number 130. It belongs higher than that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, let's see if there's anything else of interest here before we end. Uh, under pressure is higher than that. At uh, seventy three. At oh, seventy three. I can see that. Doom, 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 no, no, doom. mine went ding, 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 ding. No, it went ding, 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 yeah. ding, ding, ding. Did you hear about that? That uh, um. Well, we're over two care. hours. I don't care, so. Jim. Since when did that ever matter to either of us? That's true. So did Jim's you hear about what happened with uh, going on. Um, it's, it's 11 o'clock. Adam Neely? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So Adam Neely, uh, Warner Brothers, as you know, uh, had Katy Perry. Um, she was sued by that I guy, right? I heard about this. And, I don't know a whole lot about yeah. it, though. And so, so what happened was, I watched the video. So um, Adam Neely came out and said, no, it's nothing like it. It's an ostinato. There's not enough notes. Here's where it's been used a million times, and he did this thing, and then um, the the um, here's the, the funniest part is last. That's what I'm going to say. The funniest part is last, and that's where he goes. What? And, um, so the um, Warner Brothers then took this the video he made that that defended Warner Brothers from saying and by saying it is not enough of the music. And Warner Brothers initially lost, and then um, the the um, judge came in and said, "That's right, it's not enough of the music. You can't you can't use those eight notes and say that that's um, the song." You know, blah blah blah. And and Warner Brothers was it's the background of the song. It's not the song. It's not the melody song. It is not our song. Not 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 not. And then what did they do? They put a copyright claim on his and his video for using that part of the song. And then here's the kicker. This is where where um, uh, Adam Neely said, "What?" They put the copyright claim at a certain second, and he played those seconds. That's actually where he's playing dark, or I mean, uh, not dark horse, joyful noise. He's not playing dark horse, which means Warner Brothers couldn't tell their own song from dark horse. <laughs> Pay the two million dollars, Warner Brothers, your assholes. Fuck you, you, you. Fuck you, Warner Brothers. That's what I want to say. Blow it out your ass. If you can't tell the difference, if your people are sitting there telling other people they can't use the stuff, this is where it pisses me off. I want to jump up, punch somebody in Warner Brothers right in the mouth at this point. Because it's like, how can you possibly sit down and say, you can't sue anybody over this. It is not a part of our song. It is not what defines our song. And then go ahead and before, define the song by go, it. I want to, um, I'm looking something up real quick because no, Sorry, this, this, that's this, my rant. This plays into that. <laughs> um, and then we will go because, yeah. because obviously it, we are getting, we are getting late in the episode. Um, so there is a pattern of notes that is common in pretty much all like popular music that's being released today. And it is called the millennial whoop. 
Are you familiar with the millennial whoop, Jim? Okay. Yep. It is a G E G figure. And it's usually done with a wa yep. and the O syllables. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it is the fi- so basically it's the alternates between the fifth and third notes in a major scale. And it is in everything. It's in Jungle Love. It's in um, uh, TikTok, Bad Romance, California Girls from Katy Perry, um, Good Time. Uh, And this is just a fraction. You can hear the millennial whoop. Turn on pop music today. Um, And you know what's crazy? As much as they can reuse and rebrand and put this in different places in the song, it's only three notes, so you can't sue for it. Right. Which makes it's just mind boggling to me that we have been brainwashed because I can tell you right now, those three notes played in, um, let's say, let's say those three notes played in Jungle Love trigger the same yep. feelings when you hear those same three notes in California Girls because subconsciously your brain has processed that as, I've heard this before. And you may not notice it. It may not be an audible processing thing, but I'm sure that like, you know, people who have flashbacks due to, due to the smell of an environment that there, there's a similar phenomenon that goes on and they're exploiting that by saying you had a good time when you heard jungle love with more stay in the time and whatever else this has been used in, which I'm sure it goes back further than that. Oh, that jungle love. You know, every time I hear somebody say jungle love, I'm thinking of, uh, Jungle love, no, 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 the driving me mad, making me crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's a different uh, thought altogether. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, exactly, right? Yep. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, yep. That's exactly yes, what we're that talking about. That's um, that was that song has been used for so many that, years. That piece of song goes with emotion, a happy emotion, or whatever you experienced when you first heard it. Yeah. And then you recall that when you hear it again without thinking about it, and they're betting it in everything. And and it's because they know that yeah. that emotion sells. And so therefore, yep. they're gonna make a lot of money at your expense. So just understand, like when you hear a, a copyright claim like that, and you're he's as he said, it's an ostinato or something, and you know, it's like it's been used here and here and here and here and, here and all these different places. It's probably a similar situation. But the rule is, if you repeat more than five notes, you're in trouble. And it's so funny because it's like, well, well, five notes, do you mean in the same key? Can we change the key? Like, there's all these, like, definable parameters that could be a part of that. Five notes with the same chords actually, You know, like. (laughs) No, yeah, but that's just it. Five notes is not the only. There's, there's like, nine things. I've I've watched several legal channels. Legal Eagle. Sure, sure. uh, It's uh, a very complex issue. And, uh. It's a very complex issue, and it has about yeah. nine different things that has to be there. And yet, um, it, it was the big, it was the landmark. Um, believe it or not, the recent landmark um, decision of uh, Stairway to Heaven it changed that a lot actually of that too. has right, and it's it's definitely made it different for people or for those. So, uh, millennial whoop, don't use it in your music; you can avoid it. Whoop whoop. Uh, Remember when every every song had whoop 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 whoop? Yeah. All right, Jim. I think it's time for us to leave. I have a David. I have a Jim. And tonight we were the practical guitars. Good night.